Ian here from the RGB Gaming Podcast, your new home of real gaming banter. And in this episode, I am joined by the king of the retro gaming community, Ross the Retro Bear, and the master of the Retro Gamer Quiz, Paul from Retrobit. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the RGB Gaming Podcast, the home of real gaming banter, a weekly episodic podcast all about video games, chatting with special guests, and of course, having great banter. But what a show we have for you in this episode. I am joined by two of the greatest retro gaming YouTubers in the UK with a love and passion for the 8-bit generation. I am, of course, talking about Ross the Retro Bear and Paul from RetroBait, and they are here to chat about the resurgence of 8-bit gaming. Hello, guys. It is a pleasure to have you on the RGB Gaming Podcast. How are we? How are we doing? Hi, yeah, yeah, we to talk at the same time, don't we? Yep. Yes, I'm, I'm very well here. Yeah. Yes, very well. Thanks very much for having me on. And uh, hello, Paul. Nice to see you again, mate. Good to see you as well. Even though I was literally talking to you about 15 minutes yep. ago. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yes, yeah. Well, yeah, we, we, all, we all move in the same circles, don't we? So we certainly do. Chatting on and off. But, uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, no, pleasure to be here. Really looking forward to it. So, listen, we're going to start off with you, Ross, the retro bear. For those sure, who sure. aren't familiar <laughs> with your channel... Your YouTube channel. Tell listeners what your YouTube channel is all about. Well, it, it's a real mixture of stuff, Ian, and it's very difficult to describe exactly if there is a USP or whatever. I mean, when I started doing it, when I, I started my channel back in 2011 for about a month and then left it alone for seven years, and it's really become a mixture of all sorts of things. It's a um, pickups on there. Uh, there's gaming collections. There's... Uh, gameplay on there, all sorts of, of, of different systems, different genres, mm-hmm. whatever you want. And in between all that, there's other things as well. I mean, um, you've done the Desert Island games with me, yeah, and, and I'm, hopefully we'll, we'll have Paul on very soon to do that as well. And what a fantastic uh, experience that was too. Yeah. Bear, I want to say that, but that's a great, Paul, when you get on that, that's a that's a great, that's a great evening. Yeah. That, really looking forward to it. Great evening's yeah. crack, as, yeah. we, as we like to say. Yeah, it, it, it's good, and people who've, who've done it have really enjoyed it. And obviously, we have the the TMB podcast, which isn't really a podcast. It's it's an excuse for six of us to get together, six good friends who've come together mm-hmm. through the power of YouTube. You know, um, mm-hmm. we, we, we've never been in the same room yet, um, but we've been doing you know weekly or mm-hmm. bi-weekly chats and streams for a couple of years now and, and that's gone down very well. People seem to enjoy doing that and uh, listening to it as well. And aside from that as well, there's also other interests that I have. So it's not just all about gaming. There are other things there. Uh, uh, little, little videos I do about DVDs and books and I've done wrestling um, collection, video collection and well, Doctor Who collection and a carry-on collection. So there's, there's a mixture of stuff really. I'm trying to branch out and it, it's a hodgepodge at the end of the day, Ian, but 
um, you know, I enjoy doing it, and that's what it's all about at the end of the day. A smorgasbord bear of great content and a variety of uh, of great uh, great uh, gaming memories and film memories and pickups and and the the podcasts are are really really good. I, I enjoy them immensely. And um, th- and funny enough, that's uh, that's how I sort of stumbled across your your channel to begin with was with with your Desert Island Games podcast. And then I've 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 been hooked ever since. As you know, I'm going through your back catalogue of videos, and we are slowly but surely yeah. getting there, bear. We are getting yeah. there. <laughs> You're a very brave man. No one's ever attempted that before. I'm going to have to give you some sort of award at the end of this. I'm going to have to do a presentation or something like that because I don't think anybody's ever watched all of them. And, then, and believe me, there's a hell of a lot of videos on there. There's a, there's a load of videos, but all, all very good. Paul, listen, Retrobeat, the YouTube channel, what is it all about, my friend? Well, originally, like... Um you know, uh, Russ said he's been on since, was it, well, 2011, mm-hmm. then started back up in, was it 2017? Or, um, but for me, yeah, I started um, two week, uh, sorry, two years and one week ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when I first started my channel. And I was one of the, one of the, uh, one of the lockdown channels, I think we're known as. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, I was stuck with nothing to do. Um, I'd just uh, finished playing rugby, decided to give that up. Uh, my body wasn't really taking it anymore. Yeah. I needed a new hobby. I was toying with, uh, I was going fishing. But then after lockdown, that stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd just built a shed um, and I was doing computer repairs, things like that. And um, I uh, obviously a, quite a big hit, cl- hit squad collector. Yeah. So... Naturally, I watched a lot of videos um, about, you know, hit squads, people picking them up, etc. Um, people like Sega Zombie, um, Mr. Bards, um, Cyber Snake, um, Jay. Uh, you know, I was watching a lot of these people and um, I just thought, well, I need a hobby. I've got a shed. I've got a phone. I can try and make some videos. So, yeah, I started off, um, you know, uh, I, I reached out. I reached out to Sega Zombie, and he was kind enough to, you know, message me back. And, I had, like, I'd never spoken to him before. Um, and he let me know, that, you know, about how to basically what, what to use and um, tips here and there. And, yeah, I started off doing, like, pickups videos and things like that. But over time, the, the channel's definitely changed. Um, like, now uh, I think I've done one channel update and I've put my pickups in with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I tend not to do pickups basically because um, I was unemployed through a lot of COVID. So okay. I had to change what I was doing from rather than picking up stuff and showing that, mm-hmm. I kind of moved to playing games and going through my favourite older games. And along the way, I was still able to, uh, you know, afford the odd homebrew game here and there, which I enjoy doing reviews for. Um, and then... Uh, I've done a live stream with um, James Evans and uh, Danny Harrison, who are um, Super Jim Tendo and Press Dog Gim. And we've done a live stream. And at the end, I was like, lads, um, I've just got an idea for a part of the stream. I was like, can I like just do a little quiz at the end? And they were like, yeah, okay, let's go for it. So we had a quiz. And I've just got so much positive feedback from it. And people saying, look, nobody does this. Like, why don't you give it a shot? Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, that's that's where it started. Um, the quiz evolved um, from that stream, which I think was like, I think about twelve people watched, to the end of that year, hosting Larry Bundy Jr. You know, and yeah. like that for for me was the pinnacle. Like you know, I've watched this guy for a long time, and I absolutely adore his videos. Um, and yeah, to to do that 
um, was just yeah really special. So yeah, that's pretty much what my channel is. Um, I'm, I'm trying to maybe move into doing more like kind of like um, top fifteen, top twenties. Uh, mm-hmm. I've also writing a documentary at the minute as well oh. um, to do with one of my favourite um, uh, things that I collect. So I, I won't tell you what it is, but I'm sure you can guess. Um, so that's in the pipeline. <laughs> and um, yeah, well, to be fair, I was planning to release it when I got to a thousand subs because I thought, oh, that'll take like yeah. years. <laughs> and here I am, and I, I just I didn't realise I'm only halfway done. So uh, yeah, I need to work a bit harder on that. But again, um, now that I'm actually working, it's um, it's difficult to fit it all in. So yeah, um, it's uh, it's quite. It's hard. It's hard to fit everything in, and uh, four kids, a job, and YouTube. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, that's it. And, and life does get on. Life does get on in the way sometimes. But listen, uh, over a thousand subscribers later, and the retro gaming quiz is going from strength to strength. Like you said, you've had you've had big names on there, and you know a, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, standout people from the retro gaming co- and gaming community as well and well, it's it's a, it's a, it's a real pinnacle i think of of the community and there are there are certain things that us mere mortals look forward to watching at the end of the month we've got we've got the the quiz we've got swap shop and we have got the tmb podcast and oh, thank you. So we have got great set. We've got great content to to look forward to. So you know that being said, what what bear? What's coming? What's coming now in the future for the what? Not we'll say not the not like the next ten years. What's coming up? Anybody listening to the podcast now today, and they're going to go right. Listen, I don't know who Retro Bear is. I'm going to go to his channel. What can we expect now, in in the, in the next couple of weeks, months from your, from your channel? Well. Well, without giving it away, I mean, you, <laughs> we got we got one this uh, coming mm-hmm. Sunday, which is going to be um, uh, about Disney games because mm-hmm. we we, we, talk, we the, the format of the podcast for people I've known before very very quickly is um, we usually have uh, we have a special guest on now. We never used to have that before, but we do that now. Mm-hmm. And the idea is we bring in somebody, they pick a subject which we talk about. Um, it's usually about two hours long. We spend an hour or three quarters an hour talking about games we've been playing recently, and then we talk about the subject of the week. we got the live chat going and what have you. So um, this, uh, in fact, it's probably, it's probably going to go out after mm-hmm. the last one, I think. Isn't it? Yeah, so we'll be talking about Disney games, which is uh, an interesting yeah. one because um, a lot of people remember those, especially for the, the Mega Drive, the Lion King, Aladdin, etc. A lot mm-hmm. of people have got into gaming that way, Castle of Illusion, etc. Um, the 15th of May, we've got... Um, we're not quite sure what it's going to be yet, but it might be... Um, we may have a, uh, a member of the female gaming community on, mm-hmm. which is going to be very good to, to talk about yep. and discuss um, aspects of that. And then I think the one we've got three, three weeks after that... Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking about mini consoles, how they're affecting uh, prices of original hardware, original software, uh, the impact of them, uh, the ones that have already come out, plus the ones that people would like to see. So it's always a different subject. You know, it's it's not what I would say a serious discussion program. Okay, yeah. It's it's one of these very sort of light-hearted, come along and, you know, join in the chat. You know, there's no sort of... You know, it's not like a news night type thing. We just have a, a you yeah. know, it's not experts. It's a people who just play games to mm-hmm. talk to other people who just play games. And in the chat, we have people who 
obviously know our channels or leave their own comments and we integrate the chat in between that as well so we listen to what people are saying bring them in and if they make an interesting point or whatever we relate to it so um it's a bit of fun at the end of the day so how it started as i said at the very beginning it's a few mates who've got together to over youtube who decided to think you know what we'd like to do this and hopefully people would like to listen to it so and and again it's it's it is a great podcast and it's, it's very interactive it's like you said the comments come mm. up you interact with the audience everybody gets to chip in everybody gets to uh gets to have a bit of banter and, and and a good laugh with yourself and get their get their get their opinions across because the, mm-hmm. there are times where you and within the podcast you will touch on something that's relatively serious but that being said yep. you know it's uh, it's it is fun and uh my, my last guest that was on the podcast mr goldtooth we, we we alluded to this that you know these channels and these podcasts and the content that we put out you know it is fun and we want to come on YouTube and we want to watch programming that helps us escape from reality for a little while, puts a smile on our face. And what happens with your podcast, Bear, and with the, the gaming, the gamers, the retro gamer quiz, is that we can interact. You know, at the very end of the quiz, we can all help along with the answers well, and take part. You know, it's, it is it is, it is, is good. It's good fun. <laughs> that's, that's what's meant to happen. Uh, there is the other case where someone gets a little bit excited. and um, But to be fair, it's happened the other way where moderators got a bit excited as well and there's maybe been a delay. And, oh, so, yeah, it can, it, can, it can cause fun and games sometimes, but it is, it is just... I, I do it for fun and I do yeah. it... Because they get to meet different people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I think one of the great things about it. I mean, I mean, Paul mentioned that he he one of these channels which started during lockdown. And I wanted to say, Paul, I mean, you know, to to, to reach what you've done in a couple of years is absolutely fantastic. And, and thank you. I know a lot of people have had a lot of be- a benefit of doing that when a lot of people had very else little to do. You know, you said you know you, you weren't at work, you're unemployed, and a lot of people would have been furloughed in that time. And and mm-hmm. uh, you know it was a very very tricky time. And there were a lot of things going on that people were doing. Um, we we recently celebrated it was two years worth of the the, the, the TMB podcast a couple of weeks back. That's right. Yeah, we've been doing it. We haven't, we haven't done uh, like an episode every week or every two weeks, but we would actually been doing it for two years. We started, I think it was the week before the first lockdown. And I went back and traced it. I thought, blimey, mm-hmm. we started just before then. And then we ran all the way through that, certainly for the first seven or eight months. There were other streams going on as well. Um, Dane Stewart was doing his live from lockdown oh, every yeah. night, which was, was so beneficial for so many reasons. It brought people together. And you mentioned the interactive aspect of it. It's fantastic to be able to do that. That's why I say it's not really a podcast because it's it's more like a you know a, a two hour, not say show. That's the wrong thing to do. But like it's a broadcast of two hours where mm-hmm. people can come on, listen to what people have got to say, leave their own comments, and then we interact with those and talk about them. And it's like uh, a gathering. It's a gathering. Yeah, exactly, Paul. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's like. You know, if, if you're in a room and, and having, you know, 20 people sitting around the table and talking about stuff, that's exactly how it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and that's how it should be. You know, I, I, I we've always made that very, very clear. It, it's it's not a, a serious discussion. We're not experts, but we have our opinions and thoughts. And then those people who are watching it will put their thoughts and opinions into the chat, which is, which is great. And that's how it should do. It's, it, it, the interactive experience is what it's all about. Exactly. Yeah, and and listen, uh, this is this is the pool that both channels have here. If, if 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 you're listening to the podcast, 
Retro Bear and, and, and Paul have just said, listen, this, it's like mates getting around a table and having a chat, but within the, their content and their live streams, maybe four or five people on on screen turns into 30, 40, 50 people all around the table because so many people are coming in to interact and take part and listen in. And, you know, it's it's it, it does become a mass gathering on, on StreamYard or on YouTube on the format that you use. And, you know, th- over a thousand subscribers uh, later for yourself, Paul, and Bear, you're almost there. I'm, you know, you're going to be a thousand. I'm never going to get there. You will, I'm you will. I guarantee you, you will be at. You will have a thousand subscribers very shortly. I, I can almost guarantee it. But this is it. This is, and this is what I. This is this. This is what I love: the growth and seeing seeing these channels thrive. And you know, people, especially when people stick stick at something. This is maybe my tenth channel, but you know, I think every time I speak to Bear, I've got a different channel name. So you know, this is uh, this this is this is the beauty of, of of these channels, and this is really what this podcast cast is about real gaming banter we talk about different types of gaming it could be console pc retro mobile apps whatever you want to do so everybody wants to play a game and has fun having playing a game and get together to do it then this is exactly what uh, this is what we want and this is exactly why i have got used two guys on this episode but listen see before we move on to the next section I have to talk about your intro music. See, see the mu- or sorry, the, the music you use for your intros in some of your videos. Bear, it's it's like being in it's like being in uh, it's like being in some kind of eighties cartoon. Whenever your video starts, explain to me about this <laughs> about this video because I'll come to Paul in a minute because it's like being thrown into the Terminator film. So whenever 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 Bear's video starts, there's this graphic that spins around normally of Bear's face, and we're we're mm. we're we're back in Hanna Barbera or Warner Brothers land. So tell me where where does that intro music come from, Bear? What's the inspiration for that? Well, I think it's just it's just to capture you know, somebody straight away with, with a you know an interesting riff. I mean, when it, mm-hmm. the, the, when we first did the TMB, we we found a piece of music which was uh, quite jazzy, quite upbeat, which people did associate. Oh, it, 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 that it's that TMB music, so it, it's something you want people to remember. Um, I mean, in terms of all, all the other music, I have used different sorts <laughs> over the years. Uh, I seem now to. I, I tend to try and focus on. I've got a piece of music for pickup videos, and I've got a piece of music for collection videos. So people also know when they start a video what sort of music they're going to get. They're going to know what the video is going to be yep, about. Yep. And I, I try and associate it with that. But again, this is just music I found through YouTube, free music to use, which is a very, very good source to do it. And it's just to capture a familiarity so people know. I, I've experimented with different sorts. I, I've got nobbled for a copyright not strike but a, a copyright claim because somebody said oh this is free music to use and turns out it actually wasn't mm-hmm. um so when you when you're going through my videos you might find actually a few of them have got no music on them at all and that's where that's that's what happened to them i will uh, but, i will comment and like once i stumble across those in your in your in your back catalog you, you're probably about at least 12 months off getting there yet but you know in terms of the video <laughs> time you got to get through so you, you'll, you'll realize that but it's just to provide that familiarity and and i, I when I first started doing, I didn't use anything like that at all. Mm-hmm. And then I watched other channels. I thought, well, perhaps I could do with something like that and just make you know, let's say a bit more professional. But you put a bit more thought into it. The title cards came first. Mm-hmm. The thumbnails came along with that as well. And then the music get added in, and it just just gives somebody, oh, I know what this is going to be, and um, 
Yeah, a lot of, I think one person I certainly uses one piece of music I use on their video. I didn't realise, and I thought, hang on a second, that's the same music I use. But <laughs> that's how it is. So, <laughs> so Paul, over over to you. That you have the most um, unique um, sci-fi, you know, eighties. It's 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 the synths. It's 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 unbelievable. Where does the inspiration come from for for that music? Well, I mean, I think you, you I think you're talking about the the retro five uh, intro music. Yeah, that's, that's right. Well, yep. Yeah, I mean, I, I was responsible for for making the intro um, because like nobody else wanted to. So I was like, oh, do you know what? I'll give it a go. <laughs> What's the worst that can happen? And I've tried my best, but for me. Um, I think music's sometimes better and bigger than, uh, than than what's actually on the screen, like the intro itself. So for that one, um, yeah, that that is a synth with version of the Terminator. Now, for me personally, I absolutely um, I love the Terminator. I love the original music, and I love synthwave. And until that point, I'd never thought about trying to search for both those things together. And I was looking for something that just kind of grabbed you, but I wanted it fast. But I wanted it to be a tune where someone would be like, oh, I know that tune, but I just don't know where from because mm-hmm. it's just different. So I come up with that music and, you know, with like the, you know, when the Terminator, like the film and you've got like the blue letters, you know, yep. the, the, the word, the Terminator. So obviously, like, I can't do that. So that's why, like, the Retro 5 kind of logo is, like, in those letters in blue on a black background. Mm-hmm. It's just trying Because for me, that's, like, that film was brought out in 1984, I think. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, like, that, the, the, that was what I remember. I watched it with my dad. It was, like, the first 18 film I ever saw. Um, it's got special nostalgia. So... I was always going to use that. But like <laughs> Russ was saying, um, like for my channel, for my videos, um, well, one of my most nostalgic games ever is uh, Commando mm-hmm. on the Commodore 64. Now, mm-hmm. a few years ago, um, I think I spoke about it um, not so long back, um, but um, uh, the, the, the guy who uh, wrote that song, uh, for Commando, Mr. Hubbard, Rob Hubbard, um, yep. he's just a master of the of the Sid chip. He's my favorite composer for the Commodore sixty four. And basically, on uh, Retro Gamer magazine, they brought out um, like a compilation of his music, and one was like a new, like dancier, like faster version of his music made by him. Mm-hmm. So um, when um, I checked um, if I could use it, and I was allowed to. Uh, well, there was just like it, it had to be that music, but that was the second piece of music. The original music I used to use when I very first started was um, from the cartridge version of RoboCop Three um, on the Commodore sixty four. Mm-hmm. Just um, that's um, uh, composed by a guy called Jaron Tell, and again, yeah. like yeah. Uh, he did the music for Myth and stuff like that. And um, my nostalgia it really is fueled by gear, in-game music, no, probably more than what the actual game is. Um, which then leads me on to the music for the quiz, which is um, basically it's the Ocean Loader music, Ocean Loader number five. Okay. Um, anyone who's at a Commodore sixty four has probably sat for hours listening to this music, <laughs> you know. So um, <laughs> it's just it's. It, Kind of just the music that everyone's kind of familiar with, and it's like, oh, it's it's not the actual Commodore sixty four version. It's more kind of like laid back, like a little bit more of a modern twist. Mm-hmm. So you can just like sit back and yeah, get ready for the quiz. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, yeah, that's that's where my music comes from. But it's just such a nostalgic, such an important thing for me uh, is music. So I always think hard about what I'm going to use. I, I very much agree with that in terms of the in-game music as well and, and the C64, which we'll probably get on to shortly, is just the king of that. I mean, you mentioned um, the, gen- the gentleman who composed that music for, for Mist or whatever. Uh, Myth, sorry. Um, Cyberpunk 2. Yeah, Cybernoid 2 is one of an absolute fantastic piece of, of, yeah, of music. It is. It's it one, is. one of my favourite. And I love you, the Ocean Loader, because I used to make people load the ocean games up just so I could sit there and listen to it. I couldn't yep. care less what the game was. I just, <laughs> just put that on. <laughs> it's an ocean game, put that on. Yeah, and, and <laughs> I was happy. Yeah. Well, listen, we, we're, we're going to delve into all that now. And um, you, you, you two will have a have a lot of convincing to do because we're going to get into this resurgence of the of the eight bit generation and why it's here and you know is it, is it going to stick uh, stick around for a while? But before we move on to that, listen, we're going to have a jingle. This is an opportunity for us to wet our whistles, get a drink, and when we come back, we will be talking about eight bit resurgence. And welcome back to the RGB Gaming Podcast. I am joined by the Retro Bear and Retro Bit, and we are here to talk about 8-Bit Gaming. So the 8-Bit Gaming scene is back, but why is it back? How can something so retro hold its own against modern consoles and a new generation of gamer? Can this really be done? So let's find out. Paul, I'm going to ask you first, in your own opinion, what makes the humble generation of gaming so great? What makes 8-Bit Retro such a such a great generation of gaming? I think everyone knows I'm, I'm quite a, um, like a Commodore guy. However, I think that the reason it's done so well, um, especially in the UK, is probably more down to the spectrum and people being home quarters. Um, I think that's where like the, the love of the 8-Bits in, in, our, in our country really like stemmed from uh yeah in the uk because like people could like make games i mean not not great games maybe but you know they could certainly make games that would get by a publisher um and then it would be improved and it would be released but obviously um you're talking during the 80s then so 30 years later you, you've now got a lot of guys uh, and girls um who maybe have a bit of extra time, bit of disposable um, income, and nostalgia is a very powerful drug. So I think for me personally, um, I, I just happened to stumble across a Commodore 64, and bang, I was just I was right back to being an eight year old at my nana's playing um, Emily Hughes International Soccer against my cousin, and it was just like. You know, I'm I'm just I'm just I'm I'm back there. I'm don't get me wrong. I'm getting absolutely thrashed off the computer, like within an inch of my life. I, I, I used to think I was quite good at that game, but it, it turns out I'm I'm not. Well, not anymore, anyway. Um, so I think for for like guys our age, that that is where it gets you. Mm-hmm. Um, for people younger, now yeah, I, I do find it sometimes because like if I go back further than the eight bits. I haven't really got any nostalgia for those systems, so I find it difficult to play them. So for people that are younger than me, when they're going back, like I think that they're going to like enjoy more like the PlayStation, mm-hmm. the Amiga. Um, but you know, 
I think if you go on about it enough to enough people, then eventually somebody listens and they get the, the, they do give it a try. Yeah. And although you know, due to um, graphical limitations, the the graphics are not as good, but you'll always find that that there's there's maybe a little bit more playability there to to mm-hmm. keep you coming back for more addictive gameplay. Um, I mean. Obviously, these days with Homebrew, it is fantastic how far they can push the systems graphically. Mm-hmm. So we haven't really got that problem anymore. Um, but yeah, I, I think for me, that's that's maybe how like the the next generation down um, are enjoying a bit of resurgence. And of course, you've got the Mini, the the Commodore sixty four Mini. You've got the Maxi. You've got a plethora of um, you know uh, Mini systems that are coming out that that are making it. Like a Commodore 64, I don't have to try and plug into a monitor. But with the Mini and the Maxi, although it is emulation, you know, it looks the part and you can play all the games. It's got an HDMI, you can plug it into your TV and away you go. So it's easily accessible. And obviously the other thing is um, you don't have to do a massive update before you play any games, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> so yeah. you can just get stuck straight in. Um, so, yeah, I mean, kids are really impatient now. It's, you know, it's um, they want something immediately. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm always like, okay, let's. Um, at the minute, I'm massively into arcade pool on the uh, Amiga Mini, the A500 Mini, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I'm just constantly on that, uh, taking someone on uh, the whole family play. It's great. So Brilliant. it kind of gets them involved, and I think if if a good game is a good game, then it doesn't matter how old it is; it's a good game, That's right. and mm-hmm. you can go back to it. You yeah. know, so it doesn't really matter how how old it is. I mean. Everyone still enjoys a bit of Pac-Man or Rampage. It doesn't matter that it looks not the greatest, but like it's just the, the, the actual game itself. There. And what about you, Bear? What do you think? What makes the what makes the eight bits uh, such such a such a great generation of gaming? What, what, what why is well, it so I humble? Think, what makes it so good? Well, I, I think you know, Paul touched. I think in terms of, of the older generation, it is what we grew up with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I actually had a, a 2600 first. That was my first experience of actually any video gaming whatsoever. Um, and then it progressed to the 8 bits, although I didn't actually own any at the time. Uh, it was mainly playing on, on Friends, Commodore 64 mostly. Mm-hmm. But like, like anything else, Ian, it, 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 it's, it's nostalgia. It's, you know, it's what we know best. And when I was growing up, um, we had the arcades. Mm-hmm. So you play the games in the arcades and then they would eventually get converted to the home system. So you'd end up playing them at home as well. And you, you don't forget that. It's just a familiarity. And I, you know, I, I don't shun modern gaming at all. Mm-hmm. But for me, you can't beat playing those games from years ago. As Paul said, it doesn't matter what a game looks like. It's Does it still play as it did before? You played as well as it did 40 years ago as it does now. Then there's, there's fundamentally nothing wrong with it. And... I always say to people who, who who perhaps don't remember that generation or never played experience that generation, a lot of people do dismiss it mm-hmm. because of how games look, what you have to do to them. You know, if you really want to be an absolute, you know, eight bit nut like I am, you want to load the games in the proper fashion. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and I know a lot of people won't want to do that, but you can emulate stuff so easily. As Paul said, there's the C64 Mini, the C64 Maxi, there's a Spectrum Next as well, which is, mm-hmm. I mean, oh, I mean that took off. A, you know, there were a couple of stumbling blocks on um, 
you know, Spectrum Minis up until that point, and, and I, I wish I'd got on board with that because it's just it's just a sensational machine. I really wish I had one. Have you um, um, have you seen Engo, Russ? The, uh, the the Spectrum Engo. I, I've done a video about the Engo, which is just a clone of the of the Spectrum Next. But they're a lot cheaper and they're identical. Pretty affordable. I must admit, I haven't seen that, Paul. I, I, I will now look into that because I'd like to get one of those. And uh, yeah, just because I've got the original hardware, but I, I would like to, to look at those as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's it's just that it, it's just that whole feeling of nostalgia. It just brings it all back, and um, those are the games of my youth. And I like to go back and do it. It's like anything else, you know. We all talk, and now we all talk about. TV shows and cartoons that we used to love as kids, and, and we get nostalgic for that. And mm-hmm. um, it's exactly the same thing. And, and it, it's great now to see there's a little bit of a, as you say, in a revival coming through about it. And as I said, for people who haven't played that, you know, don't just dismiss it out of hand and, and say, oh, well, you know, the level, look, games look terrible, they can't be any good. Give them a go. If you don't like them after you play them, fair enough, I understand that. But don't just dismiss them out of hand because. I dare say there's quite a lot of people have gone back and thought, you know what, these games aren't half bad. And, uh, yeah. and Especially with, with the expansion of Homebrew, which Paul mentioned, which is the same thing which people were doing 40 years ago, coding in their bedrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, they can get so much more out of the system nowadays mm-hmm. because they have more time to do it. They are People aren't making meeting deadlines and, and what have you. Um, the, the, the newer games, these systems, are now probably a lot better than, than you could have ever imagined they were going to be back in the day and, and it's it's very important thing it's an important part of, of computing and, and gaming history because without those systems at the time we probably wouldn't be having this conversation mm-hmm. we'd be talking about yeah. something else probably um, which is you know we, we have a great deal of debt to it and you know people just sitting out and, and that people have to get you know, a time the spectrum when it came out was 125 quid mm-hmm. which okay for 1982 is probably a fair bit of money but yeah Compared to what there was, the Commodore 64 about 300 pounds. I think it was 300. Like that. Yeah, yeah. So, so there was a cheap system there which people could actually make their own games on and start coding that way and learn about it. And that's how so many these things got started. And, and without these these uh, bedroom warriors, I suppose, would be the best way to describe it. We we wouldn't be here having this conversation. So. Yeah, exactly. I think that definitely kickstarted the UK's love for the for the micros. Mm-hmm. Really did. Like we weren't affected by the, you know the the, the gaming crash really that happened in the states, but you know that that was more of a console thing anyway. You know, it didn't yeah. really. That's right. Where has but where has the resurgence come from? So we can get we can get access. To the, the, there's a new Amiga. We can we can we can buy and it's, it's loaded with games. Commodore is the same. So where ha, how has this just all of a sudden just boomed back onto the scene? What do you, what's your opinion on that? Why has it why has it come back? Where has the resurgence come from? Is this because of COVID lockdown? Is this a good opportunity to bring these machines back to try and you know encourage people to in, invest back into the into the eight bit market again? What, what what's your opinion on that work? Because I don't think it was. I can't say if it was popular or not last year, but I know all of a sudden now we've got the Evercade, we've got the Amiga, we've got you know the Commodore was, was Commodore brought one out recently as well, didn't they? So you know mm-hmm. there there's a there's a massive resurgence in these in these computers eight bit consoles coming back out again. Where has where has that come from, Paul? Where, where do you think that resurgence has, has has come from? I mean, at the end of the day, uh, money money talks, mm-hmm. and at the age we're at, you know, I mean, um, I'm 43, I'm 44 this year, so you tend to have a little bit more disposable income, mm-hmm. and why not tap into that income um, with something that fires 
uh, nostalgia neurons in my brain. So, yeah, and a, a lot of people uh, are doing that. I mean, I, I, I kind of fell into this hobby, really, because I bought a Commodore 64 because um, I'd hurt me at work and had a few weeks off. Mm-hmm. So I, I wanted something to fill me time with. I saw one advertised on Facebook Marketplace. I bought it. It broke down. And obviously, I live in Inverness. There's nowhere I can take this thing and get repaired. So <laughs> I bought myself a diagnostic cartridge and a test harness. Um, uh, you know, I'm an electrician. I can read a, uh, a diagram, open it up, fix it myself. And I was like, I, I can definitely do this. So then it, it probably happened around about the same time as maybe Commodore 64s were starting to get popular again because um, I had to stop I had to stop doing it due to tax. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah, I was, it, it was doing such really well on eBay. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just buying lots. I've, I've got, oh, my God, honestly, I must have at least at least 40 Commodore 64s in the garage, like stripped down, all for parts and all sorts of things. And I really need to sort that out. The wife keeps telling me I need to sort it out. And she's like, <laughs> but, so for me, it was like a gradual, um, like a, a gradual like insertion into the hobby. But for, for like the everyday person, I, I just think that the, the, they could be bored on YouTube and they're like, oh, God, I remember I used to play this game and then they might they might look for a certain game and then go, oh, yeah, these are top 25 and then they see all the games mm-hmm. and then they think, oh, man, I'd love to play that. How can I play it? You, the f- next thing you do on your smartphone, you look on eBay, how much can I get one for? Oh, 50 quid. I go on them, why not? You know, and then that's when the, the rabbit hole opens and everything snowballs out of control. Mm-hmm. The next thing you know, you've got hundreds of bloody cassettes all over the place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's yes. it, you're in. It is a rabbit hole, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, but I, I think, you know, I, I think it's also nutters like you and me, Paul, who, who put these channels out and, and, mm-hmm. and stop, you know, talking about... Uh, our gaming memories and things that we used to do back then, but I also yeah. think it's like anything else. It, it, it's like it's like fashion, you know. Mm-hmm. Fashions of the the seventies and eighties have come back, even the nineties have, have gone and come back. You know, you, you look back and see old footage and think, "Oh, that stuff would never come back." Oh, but it does. Such a good point. Uh, I never even thought of that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah but, but it's the same with anything else. You know, VHS. I mean, I mean, I know again from our own experiences with VHS. We see more and more VHS now than mm-hmm. we did, whereas you know, ten years ago, people would were trying to, you know, couldn't get rid of them quickly enough, or they yeah. couldn't get rid of them at all. Uh, it, it just comes around again. I mean, we talked about the the mini systems as well. I mean, I picked up an Atari Flashback, I think the very first one, at a car boot, probably about eight nine years ago. So they've been around for quite some time, and, and that obviously was the twenty six hundred, mm-hmm. being a, a nostalgic peak. There was a I think if you got it, Paul, I know, I know I've got one. So there was a C64 joystick. Uh, we've done the style of the old oh. zip stick with about 35, 40 games preloaded I, on it. I did have one, but I sent it to um, Gordon because he, he gave me 84. Uh, he won it on me, thousand subscriber giveaway. That, did, that was yes. me, star prize. So, yeah. yeah. That's I, right. I, I don't know. That's right. Yes. So I need to message him about that. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. But, but the, that came around again, probably around, you know, certainly within the last 10 years, mm-hmm. at, at the very far end of that scale. Uh, I've got little plug and plays for old arcade games as well, uh, for the, the Namco games, like you mentioned Pac-Man earlier. And I, I remember reading the magazines, uh, you know, Zap64, saying that, you know, anything like three or four years old was considered ancient. Mm-hmm. 
um, you know, this is a conversion of an ancient coin up like three years ago. I think, well, you know, you, you'd have agreed back then. Oh, you know, Pac-Man 1987, 1988, oh, that's old hat. That's years old, that is. No one plays Pac-Man anymore. But fashions and tastes come round for it, and, and, and people remember those. So uh, you just ride that crest of a wave, and people are now thinking, oh, yeah, people remember the, the, the NES. So we had got the Mini NES, the Super Nintendo Mini, the Mega Drive Mini. Um, and the C64 Mini and then the Spectrum Next, uh, and whatever variations I have of it. It's it mm. just tastes and preferences come round. And the A500 uh, Mini, which has, has gone on sale recently, I mean, that, that, that's been phenomenally successful. Mm-hmm. So it, it's but, just I mean, like a sign that need, yeah. Isn't it? it's, it's, you're right about our generation. We got that disposable income to now go back and, and invest in that. I'm, I'm going to be interested to see how the Amiga uh, Mini gets on in America because, like, the Amiga didn't really sell as well in America as what it did in the UK and Europe. So mm. it'll be interesting to see if they take to it, you know? Like, I mean, obviously mm. the Commodore 64 must have sold shed loads out there mm-hmm. uh, yes, in the States. Yeah, yeah. So, um, like, but the Amiga didn't. And uh, I just I wonder if they've you know the the CR it'll depend on how the mini sells to if we make a maxi or not. Obviously that happened with the Commodore sixty four, but there was a huge market in America. Although it took them maybe six months to a year to actually tap into that market because I think they had issues getting them over there. But how will the Amiga fare? Because there might not be that nostalgia in the states mm-hmm. for it. Mm. It, it really does appeal to, to, to gamers who had that stuff back in the day, but also casual gamers who, for the price of a C64 Mini, which I think you get for under 40 quid now. Aye. Um, and you said you, you could probably get... Uh, I mean, the price obviously are completely different to how they were you know, a few years back or even uh, 12 months ago, but it's a relatively cheap investment than going out and buying a PlayStation 5 yeah, for 600 quid. You know, um, whereas you may not have any real attachment to it, whereas if you grew up playing all these games, you've got these either the original hardware all there, but you've got that nostalgia for it. And, and, and people are very clever. You, you said, right, they're really poor money, and, and money does talk in, in this, mm-hmm. this, this this industry, and people have realised that. And the more demand there is for it, the more they'll keep bringing these things out. So, Are these toys for old boys or... Or how can what can we how can we expect uh, a younger generation of gamer to sit down and play these machines? What what's your opinion on that, Paul? Is is this just designed for 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 a different generation, or is there something there that you know they could be doing more to encourage diff- a different generation of gamer to purchase this, sit down and play it, and give it a go? I think originally it is put up for the older generation. However. I do think the younger generation have kind of tapped into it. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, I, I can only go back. Yeah, when you think, it depends what system kids are introduced to. So for my kids, like they've been introduced to a Commodore 64, mm-hmm. you know, from an early age. And so when I show them Commodore 64 games and stuff like that, because they haven't really got like mobile phones yet, or mm-hmm. um, although they have got iPads, but the iPad, you know, it's just like one person playing a game. Whereas when we play on the Mini or the Maxi or the A500, whatever, it's two-player, so it's interactive, mm-hmm. you know. So you get that element to it. And because I've introduced them to it before, really, like the Xbox or PlayStation, like they don't know really any different. Mm-hmm. So the, 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 the kind of being schooled in what proper, like, you know, gaming is first yeah. before <laughs> we move on. I mean... 
now um, my son James like he loves um, like Lego mm-hmm. so he likes the Lego Batman games on his Xbox and stuff like that now but like he, he only got that at Christmas so he still appreciates um, like younger games although you know he's, he's only he's only coming up to five but he's he's, he's like oh, he's definitely going to be a gamer mm-hmm. um, he, he loves it and, and so does my daughter she's like they're, they're both absolutely mad on Sonic you know mm-hmm. which also I, I think helps as well um, I think the the movies that they've done with Sonic it's kind of like um, brought that generation to think well where does that come from you yeah. know and I mean, come on! The best Sonic games were on the on the sixteen bit, and of course, we've got yeah, an yeah. amazing version now on the Commodore sixty four, which mm-hmm. we've got to mention True, because yeah. like, it is it is so close to the the Sega Master System, which a lot of people say is you know one of the one of the best uh, versions of, of Sonic the Hedgehog. I genuinely uh, genuinely feel blessed that we've been given that. Um, so though, although although I think it originally it was aimed. Like at the disposable income market, um, you know where where I am. Um, I think that because of the the level of the of the graphics and the and the quality of the games, it's still quite easy for a, a person who's not used to like um, a first person shooter on a PS5 to mm-hmm. to quite easily get into. And plus, with the Evercade, you can take it on the move. You know, I, I actually yeah. sold my Evercade VS today. Because all oh, right, yeah. Um, I, I got the found the founders one, mm-hmm. and I, I, like I, I wanted to like it. I did. I mean, I've got the handheld, and I love the handheld, but the VS I just didn't get used. And like I've already used the uh, A five hundred mini. Oh my god! Like <laughs> fifty times more than what I have used the uh, the VS. Mm-hmm. So yeah, VS is gone, and it's been replaced with the mini. Just because mm-hmm. I enjoy them games, you know, they're not yeah. putting on. Uh, Snares version of um, Chaos Engine. They're not putting, you know, I can actually play the, the Amiga version of Chaos yeah. Engine. And mm. for me, one of the things that was really disappointing about the, the VS was um, the bitmap cartridge and the lack of Amiga uh, games, you know, that they, that they put on there. Um, yeah, after that, I was out, to be quite honest, mm. because those are the games I was looking forward to playing. And if they're going to do it now, then they ain't going to be going to Amiga conversions anytime soon. Mm-hmm. So I was like, nah, that's it. I'm uh, step back from it. So I, I think the, the, the graphics and the gameplay of um, some 8-bit and a lot of 16-bit is good enough for the younger generation uh, to get away with, especially with... Um, there's quite a few pixel games, you know, um, yeah. like indie games yeah, on, yeah. Uh, on the Switch that are like uh, the kind of like 2D pixelated. So it's, you know, it's not a huge jump mm-hmm. when, when they go back to playing the, the older games, maybe. Yeah, and, and, and interesting you say that. Um, I, I play a lot of horror games and I play a lot of horror games on the PC and I have played a lot of, you know, pixel based games. And, you know, it does, it does feel like you're playing a master system and, um, they're very, they're very good. And, and, and they are, they are true to the game, the, 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 the music, the something music and, uh, you know, the, the sprites and it looks like you're playing a, playing an 8-bit game and it is. And it's, uh, you, right. you, you've had the nail on the head there. A lot of them, the games do go for that style. So, you know, I was, you know, you can see you have a massive point there. You made a massive point there that that could be something that would entice a, a younger generation of gamer. And what about you, then, Bear? What do you think? You know, what is it that we need to do, or what is it these companies need to do to try and market this or get 
the Amiga five hundred into uh, a, a younger a younger gamer's house and plugged in their TV and get them playing it? Um, it's, it's it's difficult for me to answer that because I, I, unlike um, you know Paul, I haven't got uh, children anything like that or your younger generation to come across and try and enthuse upon them. You know, you must play these games because you know they're very very important. Play them. Um, I mean, I, I work with a guy who's probably about fifteen years younger than me, and I think last year uh, somebody dropped off some. Uh, I can't remember what it was now. A uh, box of Spectrum stuff, probably, I think it was, to work for me. And I said, uh, have a look at this here. And I said, I bet you haven't seen these before. And he, he had absolutely no idea what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. He's 15 years younger than me. And I sort of said, you know, he said, these games come on tapes. I was like, yeah. He said, well, how does that work then? I was like, you, you don't know. And I, I was just, I just, just, just I thought, I, this doesn't make any sense. How do you not know how this works? But then again, he's probably not going to. I mean, he's not a gamer anyway, but he's obviously been brought up to to understand the, the console generation. So, uh, I, I've got a couple of things that really I could probably just mention about this because I'm not really I've not really got an answer for the question. You know, I've got to be fair. It's a tough um, question. <laughs> yeah, um, but I, I I look around videos. I've seen where people have gone into. Uh, you know, schools and whatever with the Commodore 64. I think it was BBC put one about five, yes, six years ago, and he, he, he's trying to explain. You know, well, you, you put the, you know, put the tape in the tape recorder, and they're like, well, how does it go in? You know, they got no idea. So you put it in, you close it down, you press run, stop, and you press play. And what happens now? Oh, you wait ten minutes. Um, and then <laughs> I was just going to say, uh, Nerdy Geezer has done a video recently with his two yep. boys. Yes, oh, I was just about to bring that up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I mean, the, the one lad, he, he couldn't you put the tape in. He was trying to <laughs> slide it on the top, or so he just, just couldn't get hold of it. And of course, Brilliant joysticks video. as well. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a great video. People should, people should go and watch that. It's, it's a fantastic video Lee's done. And but again, it's good to see that you know, and, and, and he's actually educating his kids about playing the original games on the original hardware with the original software. Mm-hmm. And this is what we had to do when we were younger. Um, and, and try and say it's not just a case of just pop a disc in, and then you wait for it to you know wait three days for it to install <laughs> on your system or whatever it is, and how long it takes. But you know it's not instantaneous. You know if you want it, you know multi loads. Try and face when you want what a multi load is. You know you play the first level, oh. then you load in the second level, then you die, then you have to rewind the tape. Oh, did you ever used to? Did you ever used to write the numbers down at the levels, yes. and then when you got past the first level, fast forward yeah. to level three. And sometimes yeah. it used to work, and you used to have to you used to be able to miss a level. I used to do that with Operation Move. Oh, yeah, that, that, that's, that, that's it. So you, you have to you have to cope with all this. But the, the, those videos, as I said, the BBC one and the one our friend Lee put out as well. Mm-hmm. It highlights how difficult it is to get across to a younger generation what you had to do back then. So I don't know how you you market these to younger generations now. And I think Paul's probably got the right approach. It's it's it's, it's really aimed at people of our age, mm-hmm. um, and then it's up to us then to sort of introduce this to the younger generation, to our kids or your kids or whoever. Mm-hmm. And you say, yeah, this is it. There, there we go. This this is how you know. Dad used mm-hmm. to play games, or Mum used to play games, and get them to educate that. And also, as well, a lot of those games from years and years ago were incredibly tough to play. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, they, 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 they are. You know, 
you, you don't get this infinite respawning that you get in modern games. You get three lives if you were lucky, mm -hmm. and you hit something and you die. You jump in the air one way, you can't change direction like you can do in Sonic. You know, in Sonic, 32 years ago, you had the ability to jump in the air and mm -hmm. actually change your direction. Same with Mario in 85. But go back to some of these really early 8-bit games, you jump one way, that's it. Mm -hmm. You can't change direction. So there's a lot of differences between them, and I think picking the right games is very important. Because if you pick some really tough games and try and impress that upon you, you know, the younger generation now... They ain't going to want. They ain't going to be interested. This is far too frustrating, far too difficult. Mm -hmm. um, so you got to pick and choose that. But that, that's that's probably what I can add to it, really. You know, I can't really answer your question, I'm afraid, mate. But um, no, but no, but but, but you're but you're right. And just just with, with us talking, and, and you'd mentioned about um, you know, Spectrum and Commodore games it would take ten minutes to load. And you know, Paul had said it as well. You know, sometimes you fire these consoles on. And there's an update, you could be sitting 45 minutes an hour waiting for it to update. Or you buy a new mm. game and there's a, a massive, a massive amount of time to wait before it's installed. So, you know, that's, you know, swings the roundabouts. Has it really changed that much, you know, in terms of, you know, like loading times and waiting times? And, you know, yes, once it's up and running, it is fast. But, you know, it's, uh, it is, uh, it is a, a massive... I mean, you kind of went through a bit of a, a stage when, um, I would say, after the Amiga, when you hit the PlayStation 1, mm -hmm. before you had updates, yeah. you know, PS1, PS2, was that, that was the peak because mm -hmm. the game that you got, the game that you got, then mm -hmm. um, with the PS3 and the PS4 and then with the PS5, mm -hmm. because you've got the whole updates thing, you know, uh, or extra levels that you can buy, etc. all of that, then that's when it started to get yeah. dragged back. It's, mm. So, so we, we did go through a bit of a low, then a high, and then we're back in the book. Yeah, it, it, it's the same with, with, with PC games as well. Probably from the, the early to mid two thousand, with patching, you know, releasing mm -hmm. patches to yeah. fix bugs. I mean, I, I remember uh, Football Manager two thousand and five when that came out, and they they added patches to it afterwards. So, because mm -hmm. the way things have evolved by that point, you could you know, go onto the internet, download the patch into the game and it would bring it up to date or fix some bugs that are in there. Oh, yeah. Most games now that come out, you more or less got, a, you know, a day one patch, you plug it in, mm -hmm. bought a game on, on day one and you're already downloading an update, yeah. not just the game itself, but also an update because it's, there's been an issue with it. Whereas all those years ago, if a game came out and there were bugs in it, and believe me, a lot of those games were buggy as, as anything. Mm -hmm. But that was it. There's there no patches to fix it. Um, I mean, Robocop on the 64 is one of the, the oh, key wow. ones in Tipple. Yeah. You know, this, yep. it's, I think it's, level four is impossible to get past, or there's a bug on level, level four. four. Well, apparently, you can get past it because there's a bit of a bug in one of the walls. Normally, you wouldn't have enough time. They made it so there wasn't enough time to get to level five because level <laughs> five kind of didn't really exist. So um, yes, you can't right. get it if you do it properly, but there's a bug in one of the walls that you can kind of like moonwalk back through. And if you manage to do that, then you can get the end level. And then when it loads up the next level, it's just completely like bugged out. The, the, the basically didn't finish the game. Mm. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So, so, so that was happening back then, and there was no quick fix for it. That was it. That mm. was that was the, the game itself. So it was deadlines again, uh, though. Really, deadlines again. But, but this is what I said earlier. I want to say about, about homebrew now. People are taking more out of the system, but they've got time to sit there and create. If the, the, the one example that I think of, if people had more, you know, if Ocean had had more time or the software has been on Chase HQ, if they had way more time to sit there 
and put a you know really work on some versions of that game, particularly the Commodore 64 one. I'm thinking cool. that's awful, yeah. mm-hmm. awful yeah. game. But you know, Ocean has secured the rights to this coin up. It's going to come. You're coming out at Christmas. We've got a deadline to get to. You know, there's the original source material. We want a game in you know two three months or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you're under pressure to produce the best possible game that you can do. Uh, I, I don't see a reason why people now nowadays release unfinished games or games which need patches because a lot of games forever get release dates moved back and back and back mm-hmm. and back and um, it's just unrealistic but yeah. now people can get the best out of these old systems and produce a game in their own time and, and way way better than they could do before but deadlines played an awful lot of part of mm-hmm. you know, games which weren't finished back then 100% yeah so you were speaking about homebrew. I, I'm I'm all new to this. I'll be honest with you. Um, I, I know some things about it, but mainly Master System and uh, on uh, on on Bears. Um, uh, Desert Island Games talk about the Spectrum ZX and playing Dizzy, and we talked about that Ghostbusters Two level, which which I could never get past. When you loaded the game, you would go down the line shooting the slime, and then I could never ever get past it. I don't think there was any other level beyond that. <laughs> so if, if, I, I, I've, I've played that again recently Commodore 64 and yeah there is no way <laughs> so I cannot I can never get past that but here's the here's the here's the next thing for a noob like myself Paul what is homebrew for me for me personally I, I think that the the breathing new life into systems that let's be honest should have probably died out quite a while ago mm-hmm. but the homebrew scene, like when I, I I stumbled across it by accident, um, I, I was on Facebook and I was just like on a Commodore sixty four and uh, group and someone's like, "Oh, have you played this game?" And I was like, "I can't remember that at all." And they were like, "Well, you won't." It was only released in like 2018, 2017. I was like, "What? They're still making games for the Commodore sixty four?" And this was Sam's journey, um, and I, I saw the game. And it's if, if anyone hasn't seen Sam's journey on the Commodore 64, please have a look because for me, it is the best Commodore 64 game ever made. It's just it, it blew me away, and I was like, right, I, I need to find out more. And then you know, um, a, another rabbit hole. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, but it wasn't just for the Commodore 64. I found um, there was even more homebrew for the for the ZX Spectrum, which, for me, I haven't got nostalgia for the ZX Spectrum because I never had it. However, even though I'm new to the to the Spectrum, when I know I've got a new game coming that I've never played before, I kind of get the same feeling as what I got back in like 1988 when I was sitting on the bus mm-hmm. looking at the screenshots hoping that the good looking one was the Commodore 64 you know and yeah. it's like I, I get that same that same buzz that same oh my god this is a game I've never played before I really hope that they've done this right they've done that right um, and a lot of the times because they've got the extra time because they you know, know maybe a few more tricks than what they used to know back in the day all these things come together and a lot of the time, they really come out with like some exceptional work. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I find homebrew easier on other systems than the Commodore 64 because the 64 always brings back nostalgia. Whereas uh, for the CPC and the Spectrum, which is 
um, what, what I probably play the majority of homebrew on. Mm-hmm. I think it's because I haven't got that nostalgia dragging me back to the old games, mm-hmm. so I just enjoy playing the new ones. Um, so yeah, since then I've just become embroiled in it. Um, started a Facebook group, and we've just reached like six hundred um, members on that. Unbelievable! Um, yeah, it's it's doing really well. Like um, you've got the developers. Publishers, coders, they're all on there. Like sometimes asking questions, what do people want to see? Mm-hmm. And for me personally, I think because I got into it quite early on my channel, um, this is a bit of an announcement. <laughs> um, and yeah, um, I'm doing a thing with Bitmapsoft now um, where they're sending me games to actively review for the channel, which is oh, good, good for yeah. me because I'll be buying these games anyway. Um, but also it'll be good for people to watch a channel because um, a lot of the times I'm going to be giving these games away, you know, because, um, like, I'm getting something for free, so pass it on. Karma is a great thing. So, that's, yeah, that, that's, that's un- unbelievable, A, that you're, you, you've got that opportunity and oh, um, believe it. And, and B, the, the, your, your generosity is, uh, is, is fantastic, you know, like you said, is passing on and help, helping out the, the community. So, you know, where, Paul, where do we get these homebrew games? Are they expensive? Are they less expensive? You know, what's, what, is the, what is the deal with the, with the homebrew games? Um, well... <laughs> There are so many places um, to get them. I mean, again, I'm just going to go back to the, the Facebook group. We've got like a sticky post at the top of there mm-hmm. where there must be at least 12 different sites um, that make them. Not just in the UK, um, some are from Germany. Um, uh, there's quite a um, a big community in Spain, um, especially for the Amstrad. A lot of, lot of uh, games come out of Spain. Uh, for the Commodore 64, it's more Germany. Um, for the ZX Spectrum, you'll find a lot of um, uh, like Ukrainian um, or uh, Russian. There's, there's quite a few of the, of the games uh, come from there. So, like different systems have like different bases mm-hmm. around the world that like, are really into them. How much do you pay? Well, uh, the future is eight bits. Charges four ninety nine for a game, oh, okay. or, or used to. Um, However, if you want to go to the other end of the, the, the spectrum, um, Sam's Journey with it being a cartridge game, um, that, that could set you back between 40 and 50 quid because uh, well, it's like an instant order. But you could still get it on disc for maybe like yeah. 35. Um, Bitmap Soft, do, at the minute they've got a sale on, so like some games are as little as like £7. Um, the, their maximum, I think, is about 35, mm-hmm. but that might change in the future, um, you know, due to um, certain parts being more difficult to come by mm-hmm. in today's climate. Um, and then you've got Sidetronic, which are, they're, they're a huge, they're a monster for the Commodore 64. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got some amazing homebrew games. Um, and you're talking about, you're talking about 10 quid, um, yeah. 10 quid per game with a bit of postage. But the best thing is they normally always send you the digital file as well. So, you know, you've got the physical media there or mm-hmm. you can, uh, you know, you can put it on your mini, your maxi, your emulator, mm-hmm. something like that, your, your, your Spectrum Next and Go. Um, you've got all those options available. And then the third the third part is um, you've got a site called uh, itch.io, um, and a lot of these homebrew games um, are put on there normally before they're being picked up by um, a publisher. And you can pick them up for free um, or a, a couple of pounds. Um, I think like 
four or five pound is the highest I've seen. Yeah. If you get the digital only download um, from a site like that. Um, but yeah, so so there is quite a range, but it depends if you want physical media, mm-hmm. which I do because I love tapes. Yeah. Um, yes, you know, yes. games that games that come out on cartridge and disc, I, I just don't get, which is a shame mm-hmm. because there's some awesome games out there and I have played them, but it's just not something I show on the channel just because. I, I collect tapes, so yeah. that's me thing. <laughs> yeah. So, so there is a there is a vast range. It, it can get pretty expensive. Um, it, it can be affordable. It's you know, it just really depends on what your what your tastes are. Then, I suppose, and on what, what format you want to you want to start collecting. I mean, the last video I done was for a game called Redshift on the ZX Spectrum, mm-hmm. and that yep. cost seven quid. And honestly, that game is just it's it's better. Than games I've paid full price for in the mm. past. Like if you could put that game back into the the eighties, it would it would be like a legendary game. I think mm. um, it's just it's such an amazing game. I, I just can't speak highly enough of it. Mm-hmm. And for seven quid, honestly, you just I don't know. If you've got a Spectrum and you've got seven quid, you need that game. Mm. Uh, you really do. So, no brainer. So, Ross, what about you? Are you do you do you have homebrew collection? Have you if you started collecting them? Do you've already got them? Have you, what's your favorite homebrew game? Well, I just want to touch on what Paul was saying about you know obviously getting the time with the games being sent to me. I've been trying to get Rolex and Harrods to uh, send, <laughs> send me free stuff, but it hasn't happened yet anyway. But they are listening. You know, I'm still very interested in doing that. Um, but yeah, joking this. I mean, um, you know trying to fall in with my my sort of stuck in the past nostalgia being the Jacob Reese mog of the gaming world and you know going to work on the penny farthing etc <laughs> um I, I'm, I'm very much stuck in in the past and, and Paul said something there which was quite uh, interesting about the fact that mm-hmm. you have more you don't have the perhaps the nostalgia for the older games I think you said didn't you in, in the homebrew stuff you, you, you know because you know, not on the systems that I didn't own. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that that's it. And I, I'm I'm sort of completely the opposite. Although I didn't own it back then, uh, I have more nostalgia for that. And and in terms of actual homebrew stuff, I, I don't actually have any homebrew whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I became aware there was this market out there by reading retro gamer magazines have have a feature in the back about uh, new games that were coming out. And I, I'd like, I thought, that's just strange. New games for old systems. I don't quite understand that, but. I don't have the same feeling towards them as I do for the older stuff. So I have obviously a completely different contrasting position to, to Paul. It's not to say I, I wouldn't do so because I have started to take a bit of an interest in it. And, and Paul mentioned some of the videos done. I've seen a couple of games. I can't remember the names. I've seen a couple recently. I thought, do you know what? I, I, I might be interested in picking those up. But that opens up another one of these rabbit holes, doesn't it, Paul? Yeah, going oh, yes. down. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm now going to go down the homebrew rabbit hole. Do I really want to be going there? I, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's nothing wrong with dipping the toe in. Yeah. But it's how far your toe goes in, and you actually end up sticking the old leg in, mm-hmm. and, and that's that's that sort of worries me a little bit. But from what Paul was saying about some of the prices and stuff, you know, four ninety nine to you know seven quid, even up to a tenner. I mean, that, that's a fraction of the price you'll pay for for modern games. Mm-hmm. Um, and and from the people who I've spoken to or I've read reviewing these games or seen videos of, a lot of that stuff is is, is absolute top quality. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, perhaps if I wasn't stuck, stuck in the past and so nostalgic for the old stuff, I, I might have actually been 
taken more of an interest in it. I may still do. I don't know yet. But... I, th- I think I'm quite blessed in, in the fact that because I didn't have a Spectrum back in the day, like I, I'm not getting dragged back to those nostalgic games, you know? So, um, mm-hmm. like, for me, if someone said to me, what's your favourite ZX Spectrum game? Uh, it would be really, really difficult because there's three absolutely fantastic games, none of them from back in the day. You've got Aliens Neoplasma, which is like um, like Alien 3 and the Mega Drive, but without the time limit and is a lot more playable. You've got... Um, oh... Let me just have a look at uh, Travel Through Time, which is, I think, is the best racing game on the spectrum ever. It is just absolutely stunning. And then you've got Redshift. It's <laughs> seven quid. Mm. Honestly, it's just it's just a stunning... I mean, I used to love Uridium back in the day, but I actually like this game better than that. Mm-hmm. I just think it's it's awesome. So, yeah, I think I'm, I'm blessed a little bit with having that nostalgia, luckily for me. Uh, it's probably why I own a lot less um, Commodore 64 homebrew games than Spectrum. Mm-hmm. So, listen, before before I start asking about your own your 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 own eight bit experiences and, uh, and and why you love it, before we before we we move on to that, just one last question then regarding the the heavy hitting stuff we've been talking about. Paul, what's your pitch then? How can you conv- what what would you say to convince somebody to give these eight bit micros a go? What, what would you, what would what would you? Someone company says, "Listen, Paul, why why should I play an eight bit machine? What's what's your what's your pitch? What do what do you say to them?" Well, simply any game that's out now was probably based on something that was thought of in the eight bit era. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe not when it comes to like first person shooters, but all the genres are there, mm-hmm. but it's a more basic style. Uh, hopefully, will be a, like a, a, a playable, addictive version of the game. It will be something that you can load up and just get stuck into. Um, and definitely don't go down the text adventure route <laughs> because you'll never turn on an computer again. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's a podcast in itself, that is. <laughs> yeah, get yourself, load yourself up commando, load up impossible mission. Um, there's just there's a plethora of of simple, um, but still, to me, I feel like impressive games to this mm-hmm. day. That you can that you can load up and, and have a, a bunch of fun with, you know, um, it, yeah, and and you know you haven't got the the rigmarole of the the, the modern day stuff to, to deal with. You can you can just lock yourself away and, and play that game until your heart's content. But be up for a challenge because, as Russ said, um, games were a little bit harder in those days, mm-hmm. and. Also, when you're getting on a bit, the reactions are slowing down like they are now. Yeah. Games that you used to be good at, maybe you won't be so good at. <laughs> so, that, but I mean, yeah, for me, that that's that that's definitely like I would try and sell it. Everything you've got now, there was a version of it kind of back then, but maybe mm. you know a little bit simpler, but a lot easier to get into, a lot easier to to get to the gameplay. Mm. Player one, easy, medium, hard, go. That's you. And Ross, same question. You, little Johnny, comes up and he pulls on your sleeve and he says, Mr. Bear, why should I play an 8-bit micro? What are you going to say to little Johnny? Well, first thing is, where have you come and where's your mother? Secondly, I always say, look, look, if you're a fan of, of, of shoot-em-ups, 
then you need to be going back to the Commodore 64 because that was where the best shooter must were. If you're a fan of platform games and you want to go back and play platform games in a spectrum, you know that, that that's that's the, the ethos of that machine. Um, if you want to go and play games which are colourful and bright to look at and and you know mixtures of all sorts of variety, you go pick an Amstrad up and, and do it. As, as Paul said, where you know, everything that you're playing now has, has been born in the past and, and mm-hmm. you know, it may have been done better, it may have been done done worse, but um, you've got to go back and, and, and experience that. And there are, you know, genres now which, which probably have gone and, and there are so many great games as well. You, you could sit here all night listing fantastic games mm-hmm. and, and where they've come from, which are probably now long forgotten by a lot of people. And, and uh, you know, it's only us old folk who are keeping it alive so you know yeah. being a gamer you owe it yourself to go back and play those mm-hmm. if you if you you know whether you're a good game or a bad game it makes absolutely no difference at all i mean me and paul will quite happy audience you sit here and say we're terrible gamers and we are yeah we're not world-class gamers none of these you know we're not the modern we're not the old equivalent to these e-sport gamers and things mm-hmm. like that. We're not. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You don't have to, but you don't have to be good to experience them and, and, and enjoy them. And, and that's what it is. Go back and play them. You owe it to yourself to do it if you think yourself to be a gamer. That's what I would say. Bear, what is the best game you've played from that from that from that era? God, that's a question. Isn't oh, it? Wow. <laughs> yeah, where do you start with it? I've um, got a bit of time on this one. Yeah. <laughs> it's come to me with that one first. I'm sitting there thinking, go on, go on the floor with that one first. It's come to me with this one. Um, do, you, do, do you know? I mean, there are there are so. I suppose probably the one that I've probably got the most nostalgia for is because when I played it in the arcade, I was desperately waiting for it to come out on on play on the Commodore 64 um, and that would be Operation Wolf mm-hmm. purely because I, I love the arcade game and the arcade game for no, anybody who doesn't know what I'm talking about had a giant Uzi oh, yep, that's right. mounted yep. to the front of it with feedback on it mm-hmm. now you're not going to get that on a, a Commodore 64 so the understanding was well I wonder how it's going to come out on a Commodore 64 because you haven't got the gun on the front uh, you haven't got a mouse Mm-hmm. Um, did I have sixty four have, have a mouse at all? Paul? Yeah, it had the the Geos, the Geos mouse, which I, I think I think you can use it. It's either the leg gun or the mouse. You, you can definitely yeah. use one of those on it. So, so you, you had the yeah, they had the Commodore sixty four light gun to play it. Or if you didn't have it, like my friend did, they had to use a joystick. Mm-hmm. But it, it yeah. was still, it was still a, a very enjoyable experience. And and I, I you know, that that game just sends me. You know, waves of nostalgia lapping over me. It's like, yeah, I mean, the Commodore 64 version is very, very good for it. It's graphically obviously not anywhere near as good, but it's one of the better versions out there. And I just get very, you know, misty-eyed about that one. And or, or even as you said, Paul, hearing the, hearing the music, the Commando, that just sends me back there yeah, as well. Mm-hmm, um, not so much, the, not so much the game because I, don't, I think the game is a buggy, glitchy mess. But that's that's my opinion on it. But yeah, Operation Wolf for me is probably the one that would. Mm-hmm. Would you know? I would sort of say would probably be the one I remember most from back then. But there's, there's so many here, you can't pick just one. I'm sure I remember on the arcade. Did it used to not go like Operation Initiated, and then you'd yeah. be like straight in. Oh yeah, it's, it's yeah. my favorite cab. I well, it is my favorite cab. Um, and recently, I've just seen someone on Instagram who's making miniatures. Like I could never get a real cab, but there's I'll someone making miniatures, and uh, I'm. I'm 
hammering this guy with like direct messages. Probably blocked me already. I'm like, Can I <laughs> yeah, oh, they're great. 65 messages a day. No wonder he's blocked you. Operation Wolf. Um, I, I, personally, I, I love it for the Sega Master System. I, I picked up um, like a light gun for about eight quid, CRT, mm. Master System. And away you go, you're shooting at the screen, and uh, it's just, uh, yeah, the, the Master System version. I love the Commodore 64 version, you know, back then, mm. but, uh, yeah, the, the the Master System one's probably the one that I go to now, mm. just because it's got a light gun, and my son's like, wow, I can actually shoot people on the screen. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Amstrad version was quite nice as well, Look, looked pretty colourful, it was... Uh, I enjoyed it on all systems. I love that game. Good choice for us. <laughs> yeah. Thank so, you. Thank so what about what about you then, Paul? What's the what's the the go to oh. game? What's what's the go to game? It's such a hard game because it's such a hard game. It's such a hard choice because my favorite game, my most nostalgic game, and the reason why I've got a Commodore sixty four are all three different games. So I've got I've got such a hard choice here. I've, I've got I've got Platoon right, which mm-hmm. is what a game. Favorite game on the Commodore sixty four, but then I've got Commando, and that's my favorite music, and I, I just adore that game. But I've got to go back to before I had a Commodore sixty four, and my best friend Terry and Ali had one. We were playing football one day on a Saturday, and it was raining, and he's like, "Oh, um, do, do you fancy coming?" And like, we'll, we'll go back to my me, me dad set up the Commodore sixty four, and I was like, "What's a Commodore sixty four? I'll, I'll show you. So we goes in, and he he had the game set up, and the game had just loaded, and it was the first time in my life I'd ever heard synthesized speech from a computer, mm-hmm. and it was it was something along the lines of another visitor, stay a while, mm-hmm. stay forever, and it was impossible mission, and because it's one of these games that is different every time you load it it's randomized mm-hmm. it's a game that never ages so every time you play it it's slightly different i've never completed it i've been to the end screen once and i've failed <laughs> i've never gotten that far I've never gotten that far again i probably never will but uh, if if i was to you know if you put the desert island discs kind of spin on it and it was one game that would fire the nostalgia oh. You'd have enough time to finish that Desert Island as well. Well, that's true. That's true. Uh, oh, but Platoon was my first hit squad, and Commando was my favourite music. But I'd, I'd, I'd probably have to go with Impossible Mission, just because that was the reason why, for the next eight months, I went, you know, hammering tongs at me parents. I need, mm-hmm. not I want, I need a Commodore sixty four, and it was due to that game. So I, I, I'm going to go with Impossible Mission. I put you in a lot of pain there, oh. didn't I? I put, I put oh. <laughs> it's like trying to pick your favourite child. <laughs> I, I wish I was talking there. I, well, yeah, it's, it's, it might be even harder. <laughs> yeah. I wrote them down and I'm, I'm looking at them and thinking, I just don't know. how. how if I choose one, the other two are going to be so upset, <laughs> you know? Well, well, well that's it. Because, you, you know, if you're like me, um, I mean, you can just turn around behind yourself and, and obviously we've got to see what Paul's uh, sitting in front of. You can just turn around and look and go, Oh, I like that one, and there's that one there, and oh, I'm gonna say, yeah. Each one, if you know it well, you just got there's a different pang of nostalgia each time. It's like oh, mm-hmm. I like that for a reason, and that's quite playable, and oh, you know, well, 
do I like that one more than the other one? Or it, it, it's so difficult to do it. But that's probably the same with any game collection, whether it's a modern game or old game collection. Isn't it? Yeah. So. Yeah. But do you think that uh, do you think that modern games possibly lose that? You know, you heard Paul there. You were you were talking about you're out playing football. Your friend that started to rain. You went back, and your mind was blown by the the, the sound voice on the computer and. Barry, you were talking about going to the arcade and you seen the Operation Wolf cabinet and it had the machine gun with the pullback and stuff. Like, like that that doesn't exist anymore, does it? It doesn't. You're absolutely right. Um, you know, since it, since the arcade ceased to exist, probably yeah. towards the end of the nineties, um, people are now wowed by what people have come up, game developers have come up with, and. You know, yeah, people wet their pants over the new FIFA game mm-hmm. because you can do a spin turn. All you know, so and so's got a different kit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not quite the same, is it? Really? You know? um, I, I, I don't know. Um, people get very excited for games too. It's a new Street Fighter game, or the new Kirby game, or a new mm-hmm. Mario game. People go crazy for stuff like that. I, I, I presume, and I would probably say that's the equivalent of now. Um, well-known franchises with a new game coming out, mm-hmm. but um, I, I don't know. I, I don't think I could ever. You know, as I, I, I sit in front of all my stuff, mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I look round at a few. I can see a few SNES games there. I'm looking at and thinking, oh, you know, that's quite a good one there. But a lot of them, I'm thinking, have I got really this? You know, would they have that same nostalgia or that same? I could class that in, you know, one of my mm-hmm. favourite games or an anticipated game that I, I really look forward to, a treasured game. Yeah, probably not. Mm-hmm. Only the ones that are only value to them. Well, this is this is the thing. Um, like I, I'm forty, so I'm not a million miles off of of, of your age. And for me, the the last big sort of gaming experience would have been going to a game shop at midnight to get your copy of a game. So if it had been Call of Duty or whatever it was, you would line up and there may be 50, 60, even 100 people queued up ready to get this game. Because you couldn't download them then. You had to go and buy the game and you would have, you wanted to be the first to have it. You wanted to stay up all night and play it, have it completed, whatever it is. But now it's just a case of, you know, you, you can pay more to have the game early. You can have it mm-hmm. downloaded straight to your computer or your, your, your console. So there, there's no... There's there's no there's no chase now you know there's no kind of you know I remember being at school and Mortal Kombat coming out and I got it for my birthday and I was like I can't wait to get back to the house I can't and I remember I remember not not on release or anything I had been out for a little while and um, I remember going like in the Woolworths and looking at the back of the box and being like oh my god I can't wait to be that character I can't wait to learn how to do this move and you know uh, Games Master magazine and stuff had like there was there was a there was an article in, in Games Master magazine or whatever I think it was Games Master magazine or Sega Power or something but it had like the move sets for each of the characters so you, you could go you could buy the magazine and be prepared for this game to come and you know when you get the game and you're Johnny Cage you know you, you know the down left a or whatever it was in the Mega Drive would get you would on, get you a special move. Sub Zero, <laughs> back forward, back <laughs> forward, forward, and A wasn't it for for, for the for the ice for Sub Zero. But down, you down know, towards fire on the you know, sixty four. Oh. Uh, no, no <laughs> <laughs> so you know, a, a lot of that's a lot of that that doesn't exist anymore. You know, I mean, like even like I go to an arcade now, and it's just you know, it's it's token machines, and it's, you get the tokens out of it, and it's, it's the generic. You know, there's a Walking Dead. You know, you go and you shoot zombies with a crossbow, but there's like I remember going going and having to queue up to play Street Fighter Two, or having to queue up to play Afterburner, or have to you know have to queue, and like you were in the in the cockpit and Afterburner, like you were going up and down and spinning around. Oh 
those those things are. Do you have one of those? Eh? I've never actually saw seen one of those in real life. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the one he's using in Terminator Two, right? Yeah. You know the after um, yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. I would love to have uh, yeah. had an opportunity we, uh, going on there, but no, the ones that we had was just a single cab with the yeah the joystick. We have. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I live quite close to a seaside town, and they have they still have arcades and all now, but it's not the same. It's it's all gambling machines and poker machines, and there's the odd claw machine, and it's, all that's kind of gone now. But it's like you know, it's like it's like I said before, like you were saying about playing football, you know, going to the arcade. It's like I have I remember whenever FIFA came out, the first FIFA came out for the Mega Drive. I remember every Saturday when it came out, going to Woolworths to try and get it, and it was always, they had the sticker on it, and it was always temporarily unavailable. That's the sticker that used to be on the Woolworths games if you couldn't get it. And I used to come out of that shop heartbroken nearly every single Saturday, because this was the, the new, this was the new, with sensible soccer and, and, and all that prior in Italian 90. But this was this looked amazing, and I, I remember, you know, trying to get this game. And it, was, it ended up that a cousin, one of my cousins was married to a guy that worked in uh, in Tesco's, and, and he was in charge of, um, they had like a separate shop that sold games and videos and stuff, and he was able to get me a copy, but they were like, they were like hen's teeth, he couldn't get them. But, you know, you go, you go to school or whatever it was, or, or, or you bump into a mate and they'd be like, I've got this game. I was like, how did you get that game? It's like almost impossible to get. Like, yeah. you know, you can go on the PlayStation Store now, you can go on the Xbox Live and you can just download it. There's no, you know, I, 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 I seriously think there's a lot missing now from... For me, that, that, that's the whole issue because like nowadays, um, people want something and they just get it straight away. Mm. You haven't got that build-up. Like, I'd... Honestly, I was surprised that you mentioned Call of Duty because that was going to be one of the examples. I was mm-hmm. going to say in like 20 years' time, do you think people will remember playing FIFA 21 for the first time mm-hmm. or, or Call of Duty, whatever it is now? Because like back in those days, you had to wait and, and you had the magazines. Mm-hmm. It was before YouTube. You were, you were seeing the screenshots. I remember the wait for Resident Evil 2 on the PlayStation 1. Yeah. And my God, I was waiting. It felt like a lifetime. I remember, I, and I queued up for that game mm-hmm. to get it on release. And I couldn't wait to get home and play it. And to this day, it's, well, I mean, it's it's, it's my favourite game in the franchise. Mm-hmm. I absolutely adore it. And even though I've recently completed Resident Evil um, 2 on the PS4, mm-hmm. I still love the PS1 uh, version more. Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll always love that version more. It's It's got the nostalgia. I remember staying up with me mates after college all night playing that game. Oh, my God. The memories were just fantastic. And, like, I just... I, I don't see kids doing that nowadays to have that nostalgia. Like, because it's just a click of a button... Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Can I get this game? Yeah, okay, right, okay. Click a button, downloads, you play it. And like in 20 years' time, are they going to think, oh man, I remember 20 years ago when, when my dad said, yes, I can download FIFA 21. It's not the same as saying I stood outside in the pouring rain at midnight mm-hmm. and, exactly. and the game. But, but then again, I, I don't know whether that's because, I mean, I mean, obviously the technology is there now to do it. Right. And, and, you know, going back again to the eight bit days, you would buy magazines and you would see games that were, you know, that they do feeds about them, and, and you think, wow, so that's coming out in December. I must, you know, put on that for Christmas, or you write that 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 that's gone now. And I suppose really it's because we've changed as well. I mean, when you get to my time of life, Christ, we get a bed one night and wake up the next morning, it's a bonus. But you know. <laughs> you, 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 that that that's because where we are now. I, I mean, I, I just. 
you know, I, I don't get excited about new games coming out. Like I said, I don't hate games. I just don't get that same excitement mm-hmm. about it like I did back then. Is it because I'm older? Is it because I'm more bitter and twisted? Probably. But <laughs> it, it, it falls into that. And, and I, I mean, I was never one to go, you know, I wouldn't go and queue outside at midnight waiting for the next copy of Call of Duty unless I was seriously into it, which I wasn't. So I couldn't quite understand that. Mm-hmm. And no, there's no game in the world that made me go and queue outside a shop at midnight or ask it to be downloaded to my console the following morning on day of release. I, 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 you know, nowadays I can wait for it. I might play it six months later. I, I always joke about the fact that when I buy, buy systems, I just bought an Xbox One recently, um, that I can, I can now go back and play those games ten years later mm-hmm. or five years later. You know, I'll, I'll be in no rush to play them. I don't play the ones I've got. So, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I feel into. quite the same, I suppose. Um, yeah, no, I agree. It just sounds like you know old people having to go here, but we're not. <laughs> I, I, I understand <laughs> why some people would do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're that much into it, then then you would do it. But I that's that was me thirty odd years ago. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like, okay, great new Call of Duty game or FIFA game or whatever coming out or this you know newfangled exciting game which people have been talking about for ages. Great, but I'll play it when I'm ready. I don't need to play it now. Yeah. Uh, and as, as like you said, the the, te- the technology's changed. It's readily available. We can get it whenever we want. And then like another thing, like uh, like uh, at the risk of of sounding like three three older guys that are are complaining here, is that you know <laughs> if you if you buy if you if you're if you do you know on the off chance are are looking forward to a game coming out a, a new game. Like these, there's a lot of YouTubers and stuff that get these games really early and put up the whole bloody. It's like a spoiler for a film. They put up the whole oh, bloody yeah. game. Avoid. You know what I mean? And, and sometimes they're hard to avoid because the thumbnail gives it away or some idiot's written in the comment about, you know, and, and you know, the, the game's the game's completely ruined for you. But listen, last question, and then we're going to move on to the games that we're playing at the minute. Paul, what does 8-bit mean to you? My childhood. Mm-hmm. It's... um. I, I had the Commodore 64 for a long time. Like when I uh, got a 64, it was probably like 89, 89. They come down a lot in price um, by that point. Um, and like my parents weren't like rich or anything like that. So it's only when you become a parent you realise mm-hmm. what your parent actually parents actually done for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's the the, the system of my childhood. Um, I, I had that computer till about ninety one, ninety two. Mm-hmm. Then I moved on to an Amiga, and I I completely missed all the Sega, the Nintendo War, all of that. Completely, I didn't even know it existed because it just wasn't. It, wasn't in my circles whatsoever. I didn't mm-hmm. even. I, I didn't know about it. I used to go through around a few friends who had consoles and what have you. But like at the end of the day, I used to like like management games and simulators and stuff like that. And it just wasn't the same on a, on a console. Mm-hmm. So eight bit for me, although you know I understand you had like the NES and the Master System etc. But eight bit for me personally is just it's all about the micros. Um, the the arguments in the schoolyard about the Spectrum and the, the Commodore sixty four and um, the Amstrad. Although everyone used to like kind of 
uh, ripped the ripped the Amstrad a bit because nobody I knew had a color screen. Mm-hmm. I'd never seen yep. a color screen until 2020 when I, I, I picked up an Amstrad and got one for myself, mm-hmm. and I got a color screen. And I, at that point, I was completely blown away by the Amstrad color palette, which to me is the best of any of the eight bits by a couple of miles. To to think that it was shipped normally or, you know, more more commonly with the green screen. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, uh, that's that's a tough one to take because uh, so many people did not get to appreciate the Amstrad for mm-hmm. what it was actually worth. Um, but, yeah, for me, 8-bit, it's, it's my childhood. It's, it's where it all began. It's where I started gaming. It's, if it wasn't for that time, mm-hmm. that, that system, I wouldn't be sat here now, mm-hmm. and that's a fact. Mr. Bear, what does uh, it but mean to you? Uh, for me, it's it's that feeling of escapism. Um, you know, you you're playing, just just immersing yourself in a completely different world. Um, it's hard to, to to explain to people now that that back then, you know, playing games on computers was very much a a, a special thing. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, if you went back sort of ten years to seven, you know, we're talking about the eighties, we went back to the seventies. I'm not sure what people would have done with their time. You know, you read books or you go to the cinema or get comics. More bigger families back then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, 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 that's that's it. <laughs> so, so, so it, it, it felt quite special to do something like that. Mm. So, so for me, it, it's it's the escapism of doing it and, and that warm, fuzzy, nostalgic feeling you get for it. It takes you back to more innocent times when. You didn't know the ins and outs of the world and what have you. It sounds, it sounds a bit like a strange old footy to the answer, but you know that that's what it, it reminds me of then, and um, that's why I, I get that now, and I, I don't so much get it for for, for modern stuff. Mm-hmm. And again, again, you know, we're talking eight bit. I mean, we've, we've practically glossed over the fact that we we talked mostly about the micros. Which is where where our love really sits, isn't it, Paul? Like that's that's where it is. Well, because at the time we we didn't know anybody who had eight bit consoles like the NES or the Master System. I, I mean, my best mate had a Master System. He was the only one who, I did. I didn't know anybody with any NES. Mm-hmm. Uh, people either Commodore sixty fours or Spectrums, or were still clinging on to the old Ataris like I was. Mm-hmm. Um, a friend of mine had an Atari four hundred. I think it was. Um, four hundred or eight hundred. I can't remember which one it was. I mean, I've never known anybody else have one of those. Uh, an Amstrad, I mean, you know, trying to find somebody who got an Amstrad was like trying to find a needle in the haystack. They just, mm-hmm. people like that didn't exist. But as, yeah. as Paul said, I, I now really appreciate the Amstrad and, um, for, for how good a system it, it was. I mean, there's a few issues with it. Scrolling's got a, they've all got their own issues with it. Mm-hmm. People say the common city falls oh, yeah. on. You know, people say the Spectrum's black and white, you know, and the, the Amstrad's got this horrible flick scrolling business that goes on and um, perhaps. Uh, you know, suffers from the fact that there was enough memory to get sound on games and things, and mm-hmm. a lot of Amstrad games were straightforward ports of Spectrum games. But you know, whatever. Um, it's just that, that feeling of we've well, said all the way through nostalgia and escapism, and, and and that's what you get from that. Mm-hmm. And I don't get so much nowadays from modern stuff, really. Mm-hmm. Listen, guys, what a conversation that was, and there's so much, so much more we could discuss if we had another seven or eight hours. But 
<laughs> Listen, what what a conversation, and I hope everybody that was listening to that really does appreciate that because I do. I, in my own opinion, I just think there's there's so much connection to these games, like you said, Paul, childhood memories. Like you said, Bear, how it makes you feel. I just don't think that the new generation of games and gamers are going to experience that. And I, I, I for one, think it's a shame. I think it's. Uh, I think. Um, I think we were lucky that we were able to have have such uh, such an experience, and you know, and 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 have those memories. And and if anybody is uh, is listening from a younger generation, a two player game in our days when you used to sit beside each other with two control pads yeah. and play against each other. You know, it's not, you know, not playing against someone from, from Germany or China and you sitting in, you sitting in England or Northern Ireland playing the game. We just sit beside each other and chat to each other and occasionally fall out with each other because someone was better at Street Fighter or FIFA or whatever it was. You know, that's how we used to play two-player games. But listen, lads, what a conversation. Um, unbelievable. I could I could go on. I will say this very, very quickly. If we have a moment's silence for all those 8-bit systems and games that ended up going down the tip because um you know most lots people of them. yeah lots of them went down the tip because we, oh no one will want one of those anymore we'll just throw it out uh, uh, you, you know uh, I, I, I hate the thing mm-hmm. yeah and, and the thing is now people realize what they're worth and, and those mm-hmm. systems are coming out of people's lofts and storage and whatever and and now we've been getting the public in the market so it's you know in, in a way it's sad so many systems got destroyed but it's good to see there's still that a lot of that original hardware out there and software for people who want to go down that proper route so but uh listen we're, we're going to take a short break and we're going to talk about the games that we are currently playing uh. Hello, hello, hello. We are back and I am joined with the Retro Bear and Paul from Retro Bait and Listen. This is the part of the show where we talk about what we're currently playing. It could be an 8-bit game, it could be a 16-bit game, it could be a virtual reality game. It doesn't matter. What are we playing at the minute? Um, Mr. Bear, listen, you have got a series at the minute on your YouTube channel. And you are playing games from PlayStation, if I am not mistaken. One, two, three, four, five, PS Vita, PSP, whatever it is. Tell us, mm-hmm. you have been playing a lot of games recently. Fill us in. What have you been playing? Yeah, I mean, this, this was an idea that uh, my good friend uh, and, and fellow TNB associate, Eddie um, Roller X Core, um, he mentioned in a short video a few weeks ago about wanting mm-hmm. people to look through their PlayStation collections. You know, not so much the games that uh, you've played before, but the ones that you perhaps added onto your shelf and sitting there for years, like most of mine have. Mm-hmm. And um, just you know, whether you, you know whether you play one game or fifty, uh, whether you play it to completion or you just play it for a bit and see how you get on with it. And, mm-hmm. and I thought, well, you know what, what a good idea that is because I don't play enough games here. We've yeah. had this conversation before. I, did, I don't play enough. Like most people who own massive collections, mm-hmm. we've got more games than we'll ever play before we die anyway. So it's, yes. it's just one of those. So it's a good way to do it. So you're absolutely right. I, I decided I was going to try and do a system a week. So I've done a PlayStation 1 uh, game. So we had Gunfighter, I think, which was a bit of a, a hidden gem <coughs> on that one. There was mm-hmm. Apocalypse, which was... Uh, 
the Bruce Willis game with him, his yeah. likeness and his voice in there. Um, so he played PlayStation 1. Then we went to PlayStation 2, which was a bit of an interesting experience because, because I've got Mrs. Bear, my other, my better half, um, to uh, pick me some games and she picked me some real average ones. <laughs> which is, uh, it's a very interesting experience. Uh, Hello Kitty's Roller Rescue and, and Pippa Funnels Take the Reins or... Mm-hmm. take the mick as it was uh, you know but you, you know you end up with these games for some reason you've got to play them at some point I'd rather play these games that other, you know, so other people don't have to which is also mm-hmm. very important and I've been trying to do PlayStation 3 this week I've had a bit of a nightmare though okay, well, I ain't so got very been, far with it what's been happening with that there uh, lack of time really um, I, I, I started I should have started probably the weekend but I was just too lazy. Now I was doing some gardening at the weekend, so that was mm-hmm. threw me out. And then I've got a busy week this week doing stuff. So I started playing the PlayStation Three games. Um, uh, so the video may or may not be out before this goes out. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you what I've been playing anyway. Um, uh, Doctor Who's The Eternity Clock, which okay. I got ages ago uh, for. I think like 10p or something like that, PlayStation 3 games. You can get about 20 quid now, second hand. Uh, which is, it's interesting. It's, uh, I'm a big Doctor Who fan, as, as you may, yeah, may yeah. know from a video I did a couple of years ago. And it's just, uh, it's, a, it's a platform game. And it's it's, it's a bit strange. Um, it's also from, from my least favourite period of new Doctor Who as well, because it's got River Song as one of the playable characters in it, which I wasn't particularly keen on her being in there anyway. But as a Doctor Who fan, you know, it's pretty good. It just doesn't... I know Doctor Who is a platform game. It doesn't quite ring true. So uh, there was... I put one of the Formula 1 games on Formula 1 2010, Mm -hmm. which was interesting to play because I didn't really want to play a proper race. I just want to jump in and have a quick race. We have to start doing a season. I thought, oh, okay. uh. <laughs> so, pretty pretty much three and a half hours last night playing both of those games, <laughs> and I and I had an issue with the capture device as well, which sort of prolonged it even further. So I still got three more to gain, uh, play, of which those are. Um, applicably, I've picked up Naughty Bear because <laughs> I thought <laughs> finally I should play that one. Na- yeah, Naughty Bear. Cause I've never played that one before. Uh, a game called Pain which is basically where you catapult human beings into buildings and destroy them. Oh, that sounds, that sounds up my street. I think I would like I, I, I to see that one. I thought it was. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. And I've also got one of my games with dubious covers, which I'll just show you. You can see that one there. Which is, <laughs> which is, which is a, a game called Wet, which has got a rather rather provocatively dressed young lady on the front of it. Um, but I, I, I've, I've been threatening to play that for quite some time, so... Um, oh, really well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I may be wet by the time it's finished. I don't know. That front cover is if people know what I'm talking about. I don't know. So those are the th- I've still got those to play yet and record. So that video may or may not make it out before this podcast does. Um, but I'm also planning, hopefully, to stream a couple of PlayStation 4 games. I've, I've done that once before. Mm-hmm. And I might just do that a couple of o- over the bank holiday weekend. So, again, I may have done those before this comes out. Uh, I'm not sure what I'm going to do yet game-wise. I was going to do just an hour stream, you know, maybe Sunday and maybe Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got two games in mind, but I may change my mind, so I don't want to tell you what they might be yet. Mm-hmm. And then that will complete my PlayStation journey for April. Um, and it's, it's been fun to do because 
like I said, you, you pull some of the weird and the wacky games off the shelf and you think, well, am I going to play that one then again? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Or that one's quite surprising. In fact, what we've been doing is I've had a message from my good friend Generation Pixel who's actually picked up two games based on my video so far, um, which is good. Uh, it's always nice to see some, somebody's taken the uh, the initiative to do that. I mean, I mean, whether now I, I'll, I'll go back to playing more games or not, I don't know. I've, I've still got my... Uh, reasonably regular Commodore corner video I do where I just pick mm-hmm. four or five random games out of my Commodore 64 collection and play those so I shall move on to that and then uh, I mean, just bought an Xbox one I bought one of those so I might try and stream some more of that stuff I don't know so there's uh, more stuff I want to play because yeah. at the moment I'm not really I'm not really picking games up mm-hmm. so yeah um the, the fans want more Hit Squad. Um, <laughs> yeah. You're, you're, you're <laughs> the very people who's putting any Hit Squad content out at the minute, and I'm all over it like a rash when you get one of those videos out. So, <laughs> well, I've, I've, I mean, the good news is I've probably got about another 25, 30 odd titles to do. Mm, yes. But I, I have noticed that I think I've probably got more Spectrum Hit Squad. So I bought a load off of our, our mutual friend, Mr. Zombie last year oh um, yeah yeah i bought a load of his stuff last year and i'm pretty sure i've got more spectrum ones i've got commodore ones so i might have to oh, sort of switch that, over yeah. and dig oh, the spectrum yeah, out be awesome and i, and I did be a few comparison well that would be good uh and cause I, I know there is some crossover involved certainly and I, I've, I've also picked up a few weeks back some about 10 or 15 amstrad hit squads as well so <laughs> there, there may be a possibility of doing those but yeah i i, I want to increase the 8-bit content and i've been talking to a, a good friend of mine about doing um maybe a commodore centric once a month video um just talking about commodore 64 bit of gameplay, bit of discussion, conversation. And then if if that and if that does work then we might do maybe um, you know, uh, Spectrum one and Amstrad one as well. I know I know our, our mutual friend Nerdy Geese is doing a, a, a monthly uh, micromaniac stream as well. Mm-hmm. Um which is which, which I believe I'm I'm on the next episode in a couple of weeks' time. Well, so I'm looking forward to yeah, so I'm looking yeah. forward to doing that. And uh this is going to be this. This will be that's like a live stream and a conversation with three or four people. This is just going to be, you know, a, a monthly pre-recorded video with, with me and a, a mate of mine just discussing some eight-bit uh, mm-hmm. systems and games. So, because we're yeah. trying to capitalise on an eight-bit wave at the moment, so yeah, yeah, well, yeah. why not? Awesome. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. And Paul, what what about yourself? What have you been, what have you been playing? Um, so, well, uh, yep, since getting the, the mini, um, I've been absolutely hammering Arcade Pool. Now, when I bought that system, uh, I knew I was going to be playing a lot of Stunt Car Racer because Stunt Car Racer, I absolutely adore in the Amiga. But um, when I, when I've when I done the live stream, I think because well, I wanted to try the mouse out, I, uh, and obviously it begins with an A, so it was right there. I pressed on Arcade Pool and... I forgot how uh, addictive that game is. Mm. It's really, it is quality. Um, Do you know what? I think I've, I had. I think I had that back when it came out. I'm pretty oh, sure yes, I did because it was a Team good. Seventeen game, wasn't it? So it would have been. Yes, that's right. Yeah, uh, it would have been a budget game to come out, which would have fallen quite nicely within my price range at the time. And I, I'm pretty sure when I saw that, I thought, I'm sure I played that for ages when it came out originally. Well, it's lost none of its charm. It really is. Um, 
yeah, really, really enjoying Arcade Pool, Stunt Car Racer, um, Supercars 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the list could go on. <laughs> really good with that one. Um, but uh, when it comes to the Commodore 64, I've been playing a game called Rogue 64. Um, that's It's kind of like a single-player gauntlet game, but there's a like you're in like a kind of a dungeon it's a new game every time you play it if you haven't saved it mm-hmm. it comes on cartridge so you can save your your progress um it's, it's, it's a little bit like that but like a it's, it's a lot more basic graphics however the gameplay the fighting the, the things that you've got to uh, the items you've got to pick up to use um yeah it's it's it's, it's a it's a really good game it was a game that i thought i wasn't really going to enjoy mm-hmm. And then it turned out that before I knew what happened, an hour had gone. And yeah, yeah that, that, that's when you know that it's a good game. Oh, and the music. But anyway, <laughs> I'm, I'm, it's, 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 it's definitely going to be the next video that I do um, 100% um, the next review. Obviously, I've been playing Redshift a lot. Um, really enjoyed that. Um, it's just like it's such a fast responsive shooter um, um i like that you can add bits onto the ship as you go through the levels it's a bit like um xenon 2 you know where you, you can like build your ship up and you get like all the different weapons and what have you and mm-hmm. as you take damage you lose parts of your ship so you, so you lose that like firepower um so i've been enjoying that and then, randomly, I bought a game called Gauntlet 3, which on the Commodore 64 is ha- such a rare, rare game because it only came out on disc. The, the, there isn't many copies out there. It costs an absolute fortune. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw Gauntlet 3 for sale for the Spectrum. So I thought, well, I'm probably never going to get to play it on the Commodore 64 or own it. So I bought yeah. the Spectrum version. And it's surprisingly a lot a lot better than what I thought was going to be. Um, it's like a, it's more of an isometric view. I was just to say, yeah, I remember that when it came out, it mm, was a different yeah. view altogether, wasn't it? Yeah. It's, it, but it, it's really changed the dynamics of the game, whereas before it was you and you had thousands of opponents and, you know, you were just bombarded with the almost impossible, it felt like an impossible task, whereas now there's a lot less of that, but it, it looks nicer. Do I like it better than the original Gauntlets? No, no, I don't. But it looks nicer. Mm-hmm. But it, it hasn't got the gameplay. So again, you know, when we're talking about games look nicer, but the earlier ones were more basic. But yeah, the the, the first two um, are just uh, so much better, in my opinion. And last but not least, uh, yeah, um, when I had COVID, um, I, I fired up the old uh, PS4. It's a while since I've been on that thing. Um, <laughs> And like Russ was saying earlier, you know, you get, you do, well, I, I got a bit excited about a game that came out. Uh, I, I don't even know how long ago it was now, but it was um, Aliens uh, Team Firestorm. Yep. Firestorm Team. Yeah. 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 Um, and I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait until it came out because I wanted, I wanted to see some of the gameplay, the, in, the in-game uh, footage mm-hmm. and what have you. And yeah, it looked great. I've seen on um, my friend's PS5, it looked amazing. I, I was jealous. I wanted it. Um, yeah, during COVID, uh, I, I have a benchmark on, <laughs> you might think this is a bit weird, but, <laughs> but when it comes to like modern gaming, you're in good uh, company, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to buying modern games, I'm a lot more strict with my budget than what I am mm-hmm. with like uh, older games. 
and me budget's 20 quid. I, I wouldn't spend more than 20 quid on a PlayStation 4 game. And um, I looked in CEX, um, and I, I think it was like 22, 23 quid. And I was like, oh, it won't be long until it's under 20 pound, and I'll play it. Um, and it was like 17 pound on the PlayStation store. Uh, yeah, I hooked up the, the PlayStation 4, went on the store. It was there for 17 quid. So I downloaded it, and yeah, I've, I've been thoroughly enjoying um Aliens Firestorm on the PS4. Yeah, graphically it's not as good as the PS5, but I've got the Pro, and to be yeah. fair, I really think it manages the game really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not like very far into the game, but it's got what I want from an Aliens game. You know, I look like I'm on LV426. There's like, there's, I've been on on a ship that looks like the Salago. There's dropships there. I've got aliens. I've got like, you know, team members and I've got a pulse rifle, a mute gun. Yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy playing that. And I'm not getting particularly far every time I play it, but do you know what? I don't really care. Mm-hmm. I just love running around shooting aliens uh, with an M41 air pulse rifle. You know, that's the whole point. Yeah, that's the whole point. As we said all along, it's it's, it's you not know, whether you're good at it or not. It's how much fun you're having playing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was playing Dirt Dirt Five the other day on the PlayStation Four. It's a fantastic Cracking racing game. Brilliant. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, it, it was. Um, just, uh, you know, we kept playing. I, I couldn't. I was trying to finish first each time, and I, I just c- couldn't do it. But you keep going back and keep doing it, and oh, keep I... doing it, and keep doing it, and keep keep going. And yeah, I, I just love it. You know, I get, if you can get a little better each time at it, that's what it's all about, really. Mm-hmm. Listen, you've uh, you've a plethora of, of games that you're you're currently playing, and all sound very interesting. And listen, before we wrap it up, and before we go. Just a reminder, Bear, where can we find your content? Where can we get you on any other socials other than YouTube? Or are we just are we are are you just on YouTube at the moment, my friend? I'm just on YouTube at the minute, Ian, and, and uh, I've always I've always stayed that way. I don't do things like I don't got time, mate. I, I can barely I can barely run my YouTube channel, let alone have time to do Instagram and, and all that <laughs> stuff. So um you know, if I was younger, probably had a bit more time on like everything else. Mm-hmm. I probably would do that. But no, over on YouTube and and, and very happy in my corner there. And um, you know, and then if people haven't seen me or heard of me before, go across and have a look. You know, it's it, it's laid back. It's you know, I, I'm no expert. I'm I'm just the same as a lot of people doing this stuff. Just somebody who enjoys their hobby and wants to share it with everybody else. And uh, very grateful for people who enjoy it and. Um, you know, friendships I've made, two people here I'm very, very fond of as as, as friends I've made. So, you know, um, yeah, that's where I am and that's where you'll find me. Very, uh, very, very touching, Bear, and the, the feeling is, is mutual and you can send that uh, check in the post for the... Yeah, and, and, yeah, and you, and you can burn that giant shirt you got as well. <laughs> Paul, talk to me. You are, you are across yeah. a plethora of different uh, social media... What can I say? That like works. Where are we? Where where can we find you? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, we've got the Facebook. Um, 
there's there's a retro bait um facebook group it, it's not massively active but you know um that, that's where i post videos to first um but also the we've got an 8-bit micros um group which is just specifically for homebrew mm-hmm. um so that's just 8-bit micros homebrew um there's also one especially for the quiz um if anyone fancies called up against anybody let me know um it definitely contact me if you're interested in going on the quiz um i'm always looking for uh contestants past present anyone anyone's good to go um i'm definitely well i mean obviously uh russ is going to be on there soon um with the with the, with the tmb <laughs> uh, yeah, and ian three of us yeah Yes, I'm definitely throwing my hat yeah. under the ring. I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna stand in the middle of the squared circle and call anybody from the locker room out to come and challenge me and pretty much mm. beat me to oblivion. But who cares? We're gonna have fun exactly. doing it. <laughs> um, and then yeah, I'm, I'm on Twitter as well. I, I, I do really struggle with Twitter. I'm not gonna lie. Um, it was the last of the social media platforms that I really got into. Um. Yeah, I, I don't. I I always want more interaction on Twitter, but I, I just I, I don't know really how to go about it. It seems like everyone else is really awesome on Twitter, and then like um, yeah, then there's me. Um, Instagram, Instagram <laughs> before I got into YouTube, um, had me Commodore UK. Where I'm at. You know, it, it was when I first got back into the eight bits, into the micros, um, and I used to spend a lot of time um, taking photos and you know telling people what I was playing, etc. Uh, but then it kind of expanded a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got um, like the Hit Squad collection, which is um, a lot of pictures of the of the Commodore sixty four full set, um, and I think I've got like six or seven left to go for the Amstrad set. I think I've got about five or six left for the Spectrum set. We've got all the Atari. We've got all this Commodore 16. Um, I've looked up there. I've got all the BBC ones. I've I've got every tape apart from, I think I've got 12 or 13 left, which are all Amstrad and Spectrum. And once I've got them, I've got every squad tape ever. So all all that is um, on the, on the, um, on Instagram, and yeah, there's, there's a retro beat one on Instagram, which um, again, it, it kind of just mirrors the the, the, the Twitter account. Um, I more use that to interact with other people rather than them interacting with me. You know, um, there's a lot of people, um, like for instance, uh, Jordy Slashy Gaming, um, who, who had a, a great channel. Mm-hmm. Um, he's doing a lot more on Instagram these days. You know, he's doing his um, his 52 games in a year challenge. Yeah, that's right, um, yeah. He's been documenting that on instagram so um, you know um, it's it's a way to keep in touch with people who uh, are not maybe on youtube anymore for the time being mm-hmm. um and yeah that, that that's about it really <laughs> so everywhere you yeah. go i'm there <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. Sorry. laughs> I, I think one of the, the, the great things about geordie sasha gaming and it's maybe a 52 game challenge i think by the time he gets to the end, end of the year we've done 520 games <laughs> Oh, yeah. I wish I'd join the Navy. Honestly, I, I definitely wouldn't. I'd join the Army and I'd be a mistake there. I, I, I should have mentioned earlier very quickly, Ian, as well. I'd like to, to retrospectively thank you for your appearance on the podcast this Sunday, which we haven't done yet. 
Listen, it, 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 was, it was a pleasure, and I'm sorry I got your channel taken down. <laughs> Does this mean I'm the only person who goes to the guesters? <laughs> At the moment, yeah. Well, apart, apart from the other panelists who are coming on, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this this shall this this will be going out the day after I've taken right. Bear's channel down to the pits of hell, <laughs> got uh, demonetized and chucked off the worst platform. Guest ever, honestly, yeah, terrible. <laughs> so, listen, guys, have you had a have you had a good time? Have you enjoyed yourselves? Yes, I, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, I mean as well. With Paul, I mean, I know we've we've been in communication quite some time, but this is this is easily the longest conversation we've ever had together. Oh, so it's nice to, mm-hmm. to know a bit more about about your experiences as well. And obviously, in you know, we've had conversations before, and and it was a when you first asked me about doing this, I was absolutely thrilled to be asked about it, and um, uh, I'm I'm pleased that you've you've had me on, and it's been a, it's been a great experience, and I wish you all the very success for the rest of the. Uh, the episodes that you put out. Thank you very much. And Paul, have you enjoyed yourself, bud? Yes, absolutely. I, I, yeah, I mean, what, what could make me happier than talking to you guys about your bit computing and a little bit of 16 bit, just sprinkled <laughs> in there? I, I, I can't help me. I, I'm really stuck in between the two, you know, so it's hard to talk about one without the other. But That'd be 12 bit, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, <laughs> Ian, again, I just want to say, um, I mean, I was watching you since the the Putler guys, which can I just say was an awesome name for a channel. It really is, especially when, you know. Um, it was good, wasn't uh, it? I, I, it was I good. Them. Um, and yeah, um, with, with, with the, the new channels that you've got going, yeah, it's, um, it, it's great to see. It's great to see you, you guys grow. Um, and Bear, what can I say? Um, mm-hmm. The. the the swap shop I saw uh, had Russ on, and that's when I searched his channel and, and started watching him. And it, it's been a long time. Um, another one of the channels that I started watching a long time ago. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it's quite nice to be able to just have a bit of a chat with you lads. It is, mate. Yeah, and, and and thank you for that. And, and like I said, you know what you've achieved in two years on YouTube has been has been nothing short of fantastic so you know yeah. I wish you all the, the very Fun best ride. going forward mate as well yeah. absolutely thank you absolutely brilliant listen guys thanks so much for coming on I really do appreciate it and please oh please head over to YouTube and check out the Retro Bears YouTube channel head over to YouTube and check out Retro Bait he's got more Instagram and social media posts and accounts than the Kardashians so he's easy enough to find you you will definitely you will definitely find find them on social media but listen Paul Russ thanks a million two brilliant tubers lots of amazing information I want to thank Retrobeat and Retrobear for being amazing guests. Please head over to YouTube and subscribe to their channels. And don't forget, you can catch the RGB Gaming Podcast on major podcasting platforms and on YouTube. And I will see you next time. 